You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the kickoff episode of the 2020 edition of Octoberama. Hooray! Hey! Oh, and this is the Grave Plot Podcast. <laughs> That's us. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And uh, if this is your first Octoberama, welcome. welcome. Jenks, buy me a Coke. I'll never buy you a Coke. Uh, so every year... Hold on. Do I sound muffled to you? Nope. No? It's weird, because I sound muffled to me, but you sound fine. It's weird. Anyway, so every year in the month of October, as a build-up to Halloween, we uh, just put our noses to the grindstone. That's the term, right? Noses? Is it? It, That's It sounds right. (laughs) Saying it sounds right. But it doesn't make like I don't know why would you put your nose on a grindstone? I don't I can't think of what else you would put on a grindstone either. Dick? Put my dick on a grindstone. Don't put your dick on a grindstone. <laughs> that wouldn't feel good. You'd put like a like a knife, a blade. Well yeah. <laughs> on a grindstone. Not your nose. Anyway. <laughs> but we uh all 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 rules are here in uh are, are null and void. We are doing episodes every week in October. Yeah, nose. <laughs> it is nose. Yeah. I don't understand it, but at least I said it right. User etymology. Users lay on, often strapped to a plank above the grindstone. Fair. Okay. I don't know why you'd put your nose. I don't know what the nose has to do with it. The text holdeth their noses so hard to the grindstone that it clean disfigureth their faces. Okay. Well, whatever. You know, like when you're working really hard and you just like get really close. All those times I'm using a rhinestone, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, every week in October we have a different themed episode. Uh, we have three. Uh, well, we we have two set themes, and then one hollow. Like, so we have okay. <laughs> Start over. We have themed episodes. Week one, week of the vampire. Week two, week of the zombie. Week three is, well, depending on how many weeks there are in October, we will have uh, a Patreon pick week. And then we also have like a wild car week if, if it calls for if it. applicable. And then uh, in the final Wednesday of the month, we have our annual Halloween episode. Where we do two Halloween movies. Yeah. And that's kind of... That's that's where it goes. That's, that's the blow off. That's the event. Uh, but this is also very. It's very exciting for us because um, you know this is around the time of year we started the show. 
Next week will actually be our seven year anniversary. Yeah. Crazy. Seven years. We've been seven doing this. damn years. Are we any better for it? <laughs> for it? No. <laughs> At it? Also, probably no. Not really. <laughs> Uh, at least we don't sound like shitty radio hosts anymore. It's true. Unless you talk about like that, like, like a mo- morning zoo. Hi, <laughs> 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 Poppy. What show was that? It was a fucking Nick Kroll and, and somebody else were like these shitty radio hosts. It's Parks and Rec. Yeah. <laughs> Ira and the douche. <laughs> Crazy Ira and the douche. <laughs> Didn't Leslie start begging the douche at one point? Or was it somebody else? Uh, oh, it was Ann Perkins. Right. <laughs> uh, classic. And he wanted to rename uh, Pawnee to Douche Nation. <laughs> Wasn't he actually like like a, like a college-educated guy? Like, <laughs> he just acted like a douchey radio host. Oh, fun times. Anyway, so, oh, and the, uh, the other thing about it is that because we're doing episodes every week um we don't want to bombard you with two to three hour episodes every week so week one we always do well not always but we alternate we do one full length episode which the, is the full be, length episodes stay on schedule with the rest of the year right since two weeks ago we did a full length episode this is going to be another full length episode next week we're going to do a mini-sode where we just strictly do film reviews um and then the week after that Full full review, and so forth. You get it. You got it. You're smart, guys, probably. Um, anyway, uh, are, you, are you excited, Taylor? I'm so excited. This is always like our... I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so scared. <laughs> Taylor has a speed problem. <laughs> Not even speed. Fucking caffeine, caffeine pills. pills. I was reading this. You've seen those ranker lists, right? Yeah. Uh, I was reading this one where it's like where uh, TV shows got addiction completely wrong. <laughs> that was number one, I think. Uh, I don't. I don't know where it sat on the list, but it was like talking about how, like, I think the original plan was she wanted to. They wanted to get to get hooked on like actual s- speed. Um, but I think like the sensors or something was like no fucking way. <laughs> It was a different time. Now people are doing fucking meth on... Like, they're actually... They're showing you how to cook meth on (laughs) Have you seen the show Intervention? No. They're actually showing people shoot up, like, heroin and fucking uh, um, uh, fentanyl. They're showing it. That's TV now. But back in the day, you couldn't... Back in my day, you couldn't smoke a doob on TV. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so what's what's new, Taylor? Um, so I got this new uh, Haunted Mansion board game. Oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, like like Disney Haunted Mansion. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Wait, uh, it's actually made by Funko. Interesting. Yeah. How's that go? Like, uh, have you it's, played it? Yeah, we played it last night. It's one of those games where it's like you read the instructions and you're like, this sounds so fucking complicated. And then you play it and you're like, oh, it's not that complicated. <laughs> it's just a lot of things go into it. I mean, it's a, it's Funko and Disney. I can't imagine it's too like over, over your head. Yeah. But it's like the, the board has like this part in the middle that spins and that's where the characters go. Mm-hmm. And there's different rooms around the outside. And like you have to take the hitchhiking ghosts and you move them around the board. And if they... 
go through a room that you're in, then you have to take a haunt card. And the haunt cards are bad. But then like you put ghost cards out and the ghost cards are good. Mm. That's how you score is with the ghost cards. So each ghost card has a different value. And so then each player gets three moves per turn. You can like move your guy, grab a ghost card or discard a haunt card or something like that. And so then at the end, you tally up your ghost cards and see who won. Is it just the normal three hitchhiking ghosts or like? Yeah. The, uh, so the Hatbox ghost isn't there. No. He's the best one. He is. It's true. It's amazing that he was not in the ride for so long. I know. And then suddenly they're like, hey, technology. <laughs> technology, right? <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Fun time. It's just you can play it with two players or do you have? Uh, yeah. Two to six. Is two the, to six. Yeah. Fun, fun times. Uh, we're counting down the days uh, until we can uh, check out what's going on with this one day die thing. Yeah, two weeks from today. Yeah, um, yeah. On the seventeenth, like I wish I could say that. Oh, well, you know, we're going to share it with you guys. We're going to tell you what's going on. You know what what came of it, but like I don't know that they'll appreciate that. Yeah, we don't want to blow up their spot at this point. I don't even know, like, because we're we're anticipating like the four of us just like gathering around the TV mm-hmm. and watching this. But we're supposed to get a box. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, some at some point, a box is going to show up here at my home, and I'm not allowed to open it. Shouldn't even look at it sideways uh, until. Why would the, you look at it sideways? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes people look at things sideways, <laughs> well, like a book, just like a book on a shelf. Like the box is sideways or you're sideways? Yes. Either. <laughs> if something is sideways, you're going to have to turn it. Just don't even look at the box, period. I'll just put it in a closet. Yeah. Forget it exists. Like Christmas. It's like, you know, your parents hid the presents in their closet, but if you don't want to ruin the surprise, you just got to pretend they're not there. Our rule is if you see it, it goes back. Mmm. You and cheese? Yeah. That was her family thing and it carried over to us. Yeah. Oh. That's weird. So if you look in the box, you got to send it back to Ian Adai. He's going to be like, what the fuck? Why does this guy send this back? Well, it's like they... Do you not want to participate? I think I mentioned this last time. Is like they are very clear that do not play with the box. Do not even attempt to open it and pretend that you didn't because somehow they'll know. Ghosts. <laughs> yeah, they're ghosts. They got to... They got to... Surveillance. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, but the box isn't showing up Your yet. Your neighbor's freaking me out. Why? They close their blinds like really slowly and creepy. <laughs> oh. well, I don't know. I feel like they're looking at me. They may be looking at you. Somebody's watching me. Like you see something you like? Should I show my dick? <laughs> That's what I'm always worried about. It's like, because, you know, I'm, I'm in, well, I mean, these blinds aren't open all that often, but they do look out to the street. Mm-hmm. And there are children that live here. So it's like if I'm like out of the shower and I need to like get something out of the dryer here or something, like I can't just walk out into my own home naked <laughs> if if these blinds are open because somebody might see. Especially a child. Yeah. I don't I don't really want to be uh deemed a sexual deviant because uh because because you didn't have a clean towel. Yeah. Because a child looked into my home. Maybe those children should mind their own fucking business. They should mind their own fucking business, but they don't. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> anyway. One day die, yeah. 
uh, two weeks from now. And like I said, I wish I could tell you we're gonna tell you what happened. And you, yeah, I mean, we'll tell you what, what, something. But... Yeah, but like, I don't want to spoil the surprise. Um, I don't want to blow up their shit. You know. Um, and like what I was saying is like you know we're we're planning to all gather around the four of us and participate. But like I don't even know if we can do that, like if we're allowed to, or if that was intended, or or what. Like I don't know if this is like a one-on-one thing, or no. if it's okay to have like a group event. It says nothing about it because the whole site is is cryptic. Yeah, there's nothing plain saying. Okay, well the only the only clear instructions that are on there is like if you get the box, don't open the box until we tell you to. That's it. Like it doesn't say you know one person only. You know, two to four people, whatever, doesn't give you any kind of indication. So I don't really know what to expect. I really hope that, presumably, if we're doing like a you know a, a Zoom type thing, that whoever is on the other end doesn't see the four of us sitting around and be like, "Nah, <laughs> that's not how this works." If that happens, then three of us will just sit back far enough where the camera can't see us. <laughs> just watch we'll just you. go over here. Okay, we'll leave. <laughs> Thump. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so Octoberama. Speaking of uh, like virtual online things, Mixtape Massacre did a uh, like virtual game night thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty cool. Like you just play this video as you start playing your game. And then every once in a while, it'll pop in and it'll play like a little vignette. And it'll say like, move all your characters to this location and, um, you know, then draw a card or duel or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's basically just like drawing, um, uh, not the killer scenes, the bonus tracks. It's just basically just like a bonus tracks card, but it was, had a little vignette that would play out and then it would tell you what to do. That's neat. Yeah, it was cool. Apparently they're doing it again for Halloween. Yeah, on the 24th, 24th? I think. Yeah, 4th sounds right. Um, yeah, so so you did do the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was going to... See if maybe we wanted to do the next one, but we'll see how it plays out. It's gonna be cool. Could be cool. Um. Anyway, Octoberama, week one, week of the vampire. We will be talking about uh, the Guillermo del Toro film Chronos and the 2011 remake of Fright Night uh, later on in the episode. Before we get too far into things, we want to thank our grave diggers over on Patreon. These lovely folks. Help fund this uh, little sideshow we have going on here. Um, it's not an expensive show we run, and you know, it does. It costs money. There's no way around it. We got to pay for hosting fees and you know all the other antics that we pull. And as we've said before, all the money goes straight to the show. Nothing goes in our pocket if you know it goes towards the film fest and you know things that break or need to be replaced. So it's it all goes to the show. It doesn't. It's not just lying in our pockets. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it basically sits in an account until we use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, those special folks are Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, Gory B. Movie, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, Bob Voorhees, and welcoming back, Kevin Escoda. <laughs> Yay! That guy has been our most consistent and inconsistent <laughs> gravedigger. He's our longest running, if you don't count all the times that his he like either moved or... Got a new credit card, right. just didn't update his Patreon for months. Yeah, every time we do an episode and I see his name suddenly gone from the <laughs> list, it's like, okay, well, I know what happened. 
but no, we do appreciate all these folks very much. Um, and uh, Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Get perks for as little as $1. And like Tony mentioned earlier, this month, you get to pick one of the themes of October Ama if you are a Patreon patron. Yeah, we've gotten a couple already, or more. Well, yeah, but one of them was Week of the Macaulay Culkin movies. Oh, that's right. Or Week, week of the Movies where Macaulay Culkin is the killer. Fucking I'm pretty sure there's only one of those. <laughs> so Fucking Kevin. Yeah, you, you come back to suggest that bullshit. <laughs> is that why he re-upped so he could... Uh vote in that probably you know he's gonna say sasquatch at some point he's been saying sasquatch well yeah <clears throat> and he said what was the other one uh week of the female killer didn't we do that already? we did that last year yeah <laughs> fucking guy so i guess we have no recommendations at this point <laughs> actually bob just submitted one did he yeah okay well if we don't get any others default uh, yeah that's probably two we'll greatest words in the english language <laughs> <laughs> um in other news, Grave Plot Film Fest, guys, coming up. Right, Taylor? Right. Uh, the the well, decision has been made official. It will be a virtual event for 2021 um, because there's just too many uncertainties for us to have to deal with. We, we can't plan around uncertainties, so we got to start planning for what we know. Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about... Have we actually got, gotten into what's going on with the Arc Lodge? A little bit. Basically, Arc Lodge, is, it's, it's not... The building itself is not owned by the people who run the theater. Um, it's located in Columbia City, which is an upcoming, up-and-coming neighborhood in Seattle. Uh, and with an upcoming, up-and-coming neighborhood, uh, there's up-and-coming uh, uh, real estate co- or you know values. So the owner wants to sell the the building. The Arc Lodge has had trouble paying its you know lease um, because of COVID. Um, so in order to get more value out of their, out of their property, the owner's looking to sell the land. I think, I don't think just the building, the, the land altogether. Um, and looks like the price tag is about three quarters of a million dollars. So, um, you know, I actually think the price tag is 2.5 million. What's the seven point, what's the 75, 750 million then, or a thousand. Um, that's what they need to kind of cover their costs and to uh, provide some updates. Oh, okay. Well, because they, they want to make it ADA compliant because it's, it's a historic building. So right now it's not ADA compliant. Uh, they also want to get a new marquee and some, some other upgrades. Yeah. The, I mean, the building itself was built as a Mason's Lodge. Um, so it's not, it wasn't originally built to be a theater. Um, let alone a multi-screen theater, but you know, for what it is, it's it's really really great. But um, yeah, it's in definite need of some updates. There's you know, like I said, ADA compliancy. It's there's no way if you were in a wheelchair or otherwise incapacitated, there's no way to get upstairs. Mm-hmm. Which is where the two largest theaters are. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, they are running a GoFundMe right now to raise that. Seven hundred fifty thousand. Um, I don't know where they're at right now, but they've uh, done... almost almost thirty nine thousand. Okay, so they got a ways to go, but you know they've only been doing it for what, a week or so, something like that. So for them to come up with that much money in a week is is saying something. I just hope they can keep up the steam. But because of that, um, because of the uncertainty and 
just because we wouldn't even really have access to use the building right now because they are still technically closed because of COVID. Um, and we honestly don't know if they'll even have possession of the building come February. Um, yeah, we're, we've moved it just online just to make sure. That, so we can so we can plan our event because we can't just operate with things up in the air like that. Yeah. Because it's basically planning two different kinds of events. So, but anyway, um, we do hope to get back to the Ark Lodge, you know, hopefully next year, but we'll, we'll, well see. Next two years. The following. Technically, this one will be, this film festival will be next year. So 2022. That's what I mean. Yeah. The, the next the, year. The following film festival. <laughs> uh, but we are still accepting submissions, right? Yep. Until the 30th, 31st. Uh, yeah. Well, technically, November 30th. First deadline is October 31st. Second yes, deadline a, is... The, if you are willing to pay a late fee, you can still submit in November. Right. Yeah, we've gotten some... I haven't watched through all of them yet, but the ones I've seen, there's there's some you know possible gems in there. I've only watched like two or three, I think. <laughs> well, it's like it seems like in the last couple of years, I'm always running behind. Yeah, so I'm trying to get a jump on things. So I've watched I don't know less than a dozen, but I think close to it. Anyway, but yeah, tickets uh, will hopefully be going for. On sale, uh, Halloween. That's what we usually do. We're we're still trying to figure out the logistics of doing an online film festival because you know we've never done that. But uh, hopefully, we can figure everything out and tickets will go on sale uh, on Halloween. Again, we don't know how much they're going to be. That's part of the whole logistics thing. But uh, keep an eye on greatplotfilmfest.com for all all the updates on that. Yeah, sir. And if you got, you know, a, a couple of shekels in your bank account, maybe think about heading over to GoFundMe and uh, helping out the Arc Lodge so that we can be back in 2022. Absolutely. Okay. So, anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. You want to talk about uh, COVID? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd like to just forget about COVID for the next, let's be honest, three hours. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's really no avoiding the fact that several high-profile politicians have been diagnosed. So, half the fucking Republican Party has been diagnosed at this point. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> most namely uh, Trump. Uh, if if you haven't heard this already, then you you're living under a yeah, what fucking are you doing? rock. Um, you're getting news from us, like. <laughs> But you know they're saying now that he's uh, made he's starting to like make some kind of recovery, which you know there are people out there that yeah they start recovering in you know five six seven eight ten days, um, but I feel like very few of them, if any, are seventy four year old overweight men with heart problems who eat nothing but McDonald's, right? Um, so but he's still tweeting, so it makes me think that oh, he's is not- he tweeting again? Yeah, just like I think I saw like two hours ago. There was a span of like 16 hours or something where he didn't tweet. I don't know. I'm having a hard hard time believing a lot of what's going on because I really see this as an opportunity for him to pretend that he's been diagnosed. Didn't I say I didn't want to talk about this? (laughs) 
fine. <laughs> we won't talk about it. We won't talk about it, everyone. Taylor doesn't want to talk about it. It's a problem. There's an animal in your yard. If that dog shits in my yard again, I swear to God. <sighs> anyway. Okay. So let's oh, just move on. Let's do horror business. Okay. All right, starting out in some real-world horror, take a trip down to the heart of Texas. Um, actually, I don't know if it's the heart. What's, what's the heart? Just somewhere in the middle? Yes. Dallas is the star, right? So Is that the butthole? The, the lone, lone Star? That's what it's called, right? It's the Lone Star that's State. Lone star state. Yeah. yeah, Dallas is the star. That's the, that's, that's, the, that's the Lone the star. star. Yeah. I don't know where the heart is, though. Is it? Is it the star? All I know is that the stars at night are big and bright there. So they say. <laughs> Deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, um, but yeah, so in Texas, where, where, where? Oh, several towns. Several towns in Texas have been warned by the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality uh, that the Brazosport... Water Authority, uh, late on Friday, notified them of the potential of contamination in its water supply by Nagleria, or Nagleria Falleri, which, for those of you at home, is a little tiny little microbe. A little guy. There's a little guy. There's a little guy. That eats your brain. I'd worry about that little guy. I would worry about that guy very much. Um... <laughs> Uh, the commission issued an advisory warning to people to not use tap water for any reason except to flush toilets. Uh, they were notified in the towns of Lake Jackson, Freeport, Angleton, Brazoria, Richwood, Oyster Creek, Clute, and Rosenberg. 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 Um, South uh, Rosenberg. These communities are home to about 120,000 people. Um, also affected was the Dow Chemical Works in Freeport. Oh, what a shame. What a shame that Dow has been affected. Oh. It's like, why don't, why don't we, uh, you know, build them a violin of all the Teflon that we've ingested? <laughs> yeah, you'd think all the chemicals and pollution they have there might kill these things. You'd think. Or maybe they created them. But they probably created them. This, is, this sounds like the crazies to me. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Um, let's see, uh, Dow Chemicals, which has 4,200 employees, and the Clemens and Wayne Scott State Prison Units, which ha- houses 2,300 inmates and 655 Im- uh, employees. Man. Now, this definitely sounds like the beginning of, like, a zombie movie or some kind of, uh, in- infection movie. Yeah. Because, you know... Where all the prisoners get it, and they just go crazy, and they break out. And... Or it just starts eating your frontal lobe, and then, like, you just turn into a mindless zombie. Yeah. And, like, the fact that it's in the prisons. Like, I could just... The, the shit writes itself. Like, it infects the prisons. The prisoners all go crazy. They break out. They infect the, the uh, staff, the, the guards. Yeah, yeah. And then it goes out into the... And it's already in the water supply, so... I... Everyone's fucked. Yeah. 
Uh, the Brazosport Water Authority's water source is the Brazos River. Um, Negleria filari is a microscopic amoeba commonly found in warm freshwater and soil, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Um, and, oh, it's the CDC. Okay. <laughs> uh, it usually infects people when contaminated waters enter the body through the nose from where it travels to the brain and can cause a rare and debilitating disease called zombies. <laughs> <laughs> called zombiosis. Uh, it's called primary arnebic men- Amoebic. Like oh. an amoeba? Sorry, I was... Sometimes I think I might have, like, uh, dyslexia of some sort. <laughs> uh, amoebic menin... Meningoy... Meningoencephalitis. Meningoencephalitis. Amoebic meningoencephalitis. I think it's a soft G. Like meningitis? Meningoencephalitis. Maybe. Maybe. Doesn't matter. We're not scientists. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh... Is one of our local news channels you know, posting an article on their Facebook about Trump and that whole fiasco. And, uh, you know, people were talking about him recovering. And I'm like, it's strange that a man in his condition miraculously recovered in less than a week. And everybody's like, okay. Uh, or everybody's like, okay, Dr. G. I'm like, please call me Tony. <laughs> no need for formalities. See how he's trying to sneak the COVID talk back in, guys? I'm just mentioning. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so if you're in Texas, uh, don't drink the water. Uh, don't go to Texas. They'll fuck you up. That's Eddie Murphy right there. Yep. <laughs> if you don't know. Uh, so there's zombies in Texas. So <laughs> what you're telling me is there are zombies in, in Texas. Texas. That's the name of the screenplay. Zombies in Texas. It's a terrible name. <laughs> We'll workshop that. <laughs> it's working title. <laughs> All right, so Clive Barker is uh he's he's making some moves. He, he announced on Twitter that he's back. He said he is returning to the fold with a new novel called Deep Hill, which is a large collection of out-of-print short stories, new short stories, and a novella called Mercy and the Jackal. The Jackal? The Jackal. <laughs> there's no Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, there's no Jackal. Go to sleep. <laughs> Brad Pitt! <laughs> Uh, there's also a collection called Fear Eternal, as well as a large volume of some 250 poems. This guy poems. Be, be writing poems. Po- poems. poems. Uh, on top of that, in case that wasn't enough for you, in more exciting news, uh, uh, Barker was doing an interview with ComingSoon.net, and he announced that there will be a that he's working on a series Bible for a Nightbreed remake series. A remake series, huh? Yep. 
Why couldn't it just be a sequel series? Because uh, you need the need the backstory. But we know the backstory. Do we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the movie Nightbreed. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, you've seen The Nightbreed. <laughs> uh, Midian, all of that stuff. Yeah, I remember Midian. You remember that guy? Yeah, he was in the corporate ministry with The Undertaker and Shane McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him. <laughs> uh, even more exciting is Michael Doherty has yet another project between him and Trick or Treat 2. God damn it. Just make Trick or Treat 2. Yeah. I've said before, I don't want to see him do anything else. All I want is Trick or Treat 2. Until he does that, he's he's dead to me. No more Godzillas. No more Nightbreeds. <laughs> I don't need any Nightbreeds. I don't need Godzillas in my life. Just fucking make the thing. Yeah. And it's like he's had so much time to write it. If he hasn't been writing, he's been fucking up. Hasn't he said it's done? I don't know. Like, I know he... I recall him saying that he had ideas for it, but that was years ago. And I feel like he hasn't talked about it in years either. Yeah. Which is even more upsetting and concerning. Because I feel like he's, like, losing the ambition. Yeah. Kind of worry about that, too. Especially because Legendary, like, is, is not around anymore. Well, it's, it still exists, but, like, Thomas Tull sold it. To some Chinese company. Right. So, I don't know. Do they even have the ambition to make it anymore? Because they've kind of moved on to bigger and better things. They're not that, you know, little no-name label anymore. They're mm-hmm. they're making some well-known films. They're making Godzillas. <laughs> they're making the Godzillas. Uh, well, anyway, Michael Doherty's going to direct this thing. Baker says, Barker, sorry, says, it's exciting after 30 years to go back to these characters and find out who's still speaking to me, who wants their story told. My tongue isn't in cheek when I say that as part, that I say that as, say that as when I start a piece, it's listening. The writing is a piece of listening. I've always said I was a journalist and what I was reporting on was the space between my ears. This is brain. That was, that was nonsense. That was just a bunch of nonsense. He'd like, Barker... Every interview I've seen him do, like, you know... Does he always sound like he's trying to be smarter than he is? He's trying to fit, like, five words in where one will do. (laughs) Why speak many words when few words do? (laughs) It's like, dude, I'm not stupid, so, I mean, you don't have to talk to me like I'm an idiot, but I don't president, they'll see. They'll see. (laughs) I don't, I don't need all this. I don't need all this fluff. Just get to the point. Yeah, quit trying to like sound poetic again with the poems. <laughs> uh, he also mentioned that it's being co-written by himself and Josh Stolberg, who wrote Jigsaw. Uh-oh. Oh no! And that it will quote make the property relevant to today's audience, focusing on the race relations that are interwoven within Nightbreed. The difference is that the tension is between humans and monsters. End quote. Guys, it's not uncommon to say end quote. It's not. People have been saying it for generations. Yeah. Uh, They're making the property relevant to today's audience, which means, you know what that means, Taylor? Cell phones. phones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
No, I mean, I've like there are people out there that love Nightbreed. He says it'll focus on the race relations that are inter interwoven within Nightbreed, uh, and that the differences between humans and monsters. Are we going to see cops shooting monsters in the back? Probably, probably, fucking cops. <laughs> and then like, uh, like, um, like rich white kids are like starting protests about monsters. <laughs> Getting beaten up by police. <laughs> yeah. And then all the monsters would be like, hey, we got this. <laughs> Don't speak for us. <laughs> like, if you want to join in, that's fine, but you go in the back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Meanwhile, Clyde Barker's next project, Book of Blood, will premiere on Hulu on October 7th. Hulu? I believe it's pronounced Hulu. I believe it's not. <laughs> it's hello. Hulu. Hulu. It's a long U. Hulu. <clears throat> yep. Fun. That's it. Yeah, I mean, like, I I People like night breeding. Night breeding. What? People are going to be night breeding. Oh, it's just, it's just night breeding all over the woods. <laughs> yeah, I like, I, I like Clive Barker. I mean, I, I like. At least the first two, well, let's say first four Hellraiser movies. And I like Nightbreed. Okay. You started saying that. I was like, how many Nightbreeds are there? I thought there was <laughs> only one Nightbreed. Um, granted, Barker only did the first Hellraiser, right? I don't think he did the second one. Regardless, I like Nightbreed as well, but there are people that are ride or die at Nightbreed. I don't quite follow that. Like, I don't think it's that good of a movie <laughs> i'm not gonna argue with it because you know it, it's a good enough movie where it could say yeah you do you. you you do your thing night breeder if it was a shitty movie i'd be like what's what is wrong with you like uh like halloween three like no if you're gonna say bad movie you gotta pick a bad movie like That's... the people who are like oh my god happy death day is amazing <laughs> or like uh like any texas chainsaw massacre after the first one yeah Oh, the remake wasn't bad. I mean, the of, of the originals. Oh yeah, except for Next Generation. So that one's awesome. Like Matthew McConaughey. That's like the worst one. <laughs> and Renee Zellweger. Like, how can you go wrong? That's the worst <laughs> one. It's like, watch me. <laughs> I'll show you how we go wrong. <laughs> um. Anyway. Anyway, Nightbreed. Hulu. Book of Blood. It's not coming to Hulu. That's Book of Blood. <laughs> Nightbreed is coming somewhere else. TBD. So if you're a horror fan, like us, you know what Bloody Disgusting is. They're pretty much the... Uh, the go-to. The go-to. At this point. I don't want to call them the authority because I feel like that's giving them too much credit. But um, they, yeah, they're 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 the big the name. preeminent. Sure, they're the big name. Uh, you know, out there as far as like uh, horror, re- you know, horror-related media goes. Um, you know, on on par with things like Fangoria and Dread Central. Um, 
think I think they've kind of come to a point where they're even above Fangoria because Fangoria's had so much trouble over the years. Yeah. <clears throat> but um Fangoria's not really news either. They're more like editorials. That's true. They do they do have news but not to the degree that Bloody Disgusting does. Right. And over time Bloody Disgusting has actually moved more towards editorials rather than reporting. Bloody Disgusting is kind of just a content mill at this point, but That's true. But we won't go into that. <laughs> <clears throat> but over time, Bloody Disgusting, you know, as they've gained a notoriety in the in the community, um, as things do, you tend to evolve and add, you know, you, you, you try new tricks. Um, they started producing films. Um, they've, uh, I don't know, they've, they've been involved in different things o- over the years. I, I, the only thing I can think of is like the VHS films. Yeah, the bloody bloody disgusting selects. I think they called them. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so I get the next step for them is to move into TV, because why not? Yep. Um, and so bloody disgusting TV is that a they settled on that and that's that's what it's called. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to call it. I guess it's just BDTV. <laughs> Um, is coming to you on the Roku channel. Roku needs to knock it the fuck off. Because they're just fucking everything up. They're like, this is what they're doing now. Instead of like having companies make their own apps that they put on the Roku platform, they want to shoehorn everything into the Roku channel. And they probably get a bigger percentage from that, I imagine. Well... Yeah, you said they have a, a platform. Yeah, with multiple channels in that platform. Mm-hmm. I don't like why. Why is Bloody Disgusting TV part of the Roku channel? Why is it not its own app on the Roku platform? That's what I don't understand. I don't know. What like and HBO Max is still not on Roku. <laughs> well, I guess that's the trade-off. No HBO Max, but you get Bloody Disgusting TV. That's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> do you have access to hbo max at all yeah he's via the chromecast oh okay yeah like i don't i like i don't see roku as relevant anymore <laughs> it's still like by far the largest market share is it yeah like almost half that's insane yeah like because i don't like, aside from you, I don't know anybody that has a Roku. People have Apple TVs, Chromecast, Fire Stick, or just a smart TV. Um, Man, the new Chromecast just came out, and it's like has Google TV built in. So it's like, it's like a platform instead of casting from your phone. Mm. It looks sweet. It's so sweet. If I didn't have a Roku TV, I would probably get it. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I've got an and Apple I just t- watch so much HBO Max. <laughs> Just watch. I don't even care what's on. <laughs> she want HBO Max all over my body. <laughs> I haven't gotten very far in the story yet. <laughs> no, let's get back to this. Um, Cinedigum. <laughs> Cinedigum. <laughs> Cinedigum. Uh, I guess it's Cinedime. I, I had to so. guess. Uh, is I see I see what they're trying to do there, but it looks dumb. Yeah, like. It's like Paradigm, 
Yeah, I get it. But it's, it's a cinedyne, like movies. Cine. No, I, I get it. Yeah, but it because looks... I explained it to you. <laughs> it looks stupid. But Cinedigum is <laughs> behind Bloody Disgusting TV, which features not only a mix of horror classics and contemporary cult favorites, but also a mass of original programming. So it sounds like they're going to try and compete with Shudder on a smaller degree. Yeah. Because Shudder, they're everywhere. Yeah, they, you don't need fucking Roku channel to watch Shudder. No, but apparently you can't watch it on my Samsung TV. God damn it. There's no Shudder app for it? No. I, I keep waiting for it to pop up, and it never does. Do you Do you have Apple TV Plus? Uh, yeah. You can add it to there. Okay, I mean, sure. <laughs> like, I've got the Shutter channel. I, I, I can show Oh, you have it through Amazon. That's right. Yeah, I have it on Amazon. I can. Sh- I also have it on my phone so I can cast it to my TV. Um, so I, I can watch it. It's just a pain in the ass that I can't just load it. I yelled at Google the other day because. Uh, yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> I, I'll tell you. Hang on. <laughs> um, uh, they have a. <laughs> Back, peasant. <laughs> They have a list of streaming services that they'll pull from when you search for something. And it'll tell you if it's on those platforms. Shutter is not on there. Mm-hmm. So every time I'm like, I search for a movie and I look to see if it's anywhere and occasionally I'll forget to check Shutter. So then I'll go and I'll pay $4 for it. And, uh, and then we'll start talking about it on the show and you'll be like, yeah, so I watched this on Shutter and I'll be like, son of a bitch. <laughs> So I went on Twitter and I said, hey, Google, add Shutter." No. <laughs> I, I said the two magic words. Um, I said, put Shutter on this list. And Google Nest responded to me. And they were like, we'll put the, this under advisement. Which, yeah, it's a blow off. Yeah, they're going to do it. They're, they're gonna... Why don't you just use Just Watch like I do? Because Google is everywhere. <laughs> Except Shutter. <laughs> Anyway, so Bloody Disgusting, uh, they're creating new programming from John Grill's Creepy, John Grill's Creepy, Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Horror Queers, and This Week in Horror will all debut on the network this October. Oh, Creepy is a podcast. Ah. As is Boo Crew. I've heard of Boo Crew. Not sure what SCP is. I feel like I've seen that before, but I don't know what it is. Um, that was disgusting. I heard that. What you're like, you're like Gail the snail. I, I think these are all podcasts. Oh, fun! Can't wait to like go out and get a Roku for for no reason. So you can watch podcasts. So I can watch podcasts. <laughs> Um, hey guys, guess what? You don't have to buy a Roku to listen to us. <laughs> um, wait, is there? I'm sure there's an app or something where you could listen to us on Roku. I think every everything has like a podcast app nowadays. Um, yeah, they will debut on the network this October with special trick or treat events planned for Halloween because trick or treating is fucking canceled. <laughs> I want kids to just walk down my street and I'll throw candy off my balcony. You know, a lot of people are, I don't, you've probably seen these, creating the uh, 
the, the shoots can, candy luges yeah um but even then it's like hey, apparently there's an apple Podcasts app on roku well there you go we're not on spotify quit asking <laughs> are people asking anytime i tell somebody that i have a podcast is it on spotify <laughs> are you on spotify <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> everyone's on spotify <laughs> Uh, will also provide content from its catalog, which includes hundreds of popular horror titles like The Collector, Day of the Dead, The Hills Have Eyes, Reanimator, and the Tales from the and Tales from the Crypt to foreign favorites such as Audition, Ring You, World of Kanako, and Tenebra. Um, cool. Yeah, neat. Partnering with, with Synodinigum <laughs> gives us the opportunity to expand the bloody, disgusting brand and deliver a variety of exciting original video content, says Tom Pollock. Right. What is happening? Somebody's drilling. Or What is that noise? It's my dog. What, what are you doing? Derby? No, Dexter. Shut up, you. Don't puke on me. Anyway, uh, partnering with Synodyme gives us the opportunity to expand the bloody, disgusting brand and deliver a variety of exciting original co- video content, said Tom Owen, president of Bloody Disgusting. It's so weird that Bloody Disgusting has a president. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's not uh, what's his face Squires Squ- no or Miska 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 just like dropped back and he's like I don't know what his role is he's like a lead editor or something is he I don't, I don't fucking the Squires know. is the he's the EIC right I don't fucking know I don't pay him. I, don't, I don't care <laughs> look at me pretending I care um, we have been working to create something special really special so like, special. <laughs> So special, it'll make your head explode. Uh, that, that's not even what he said. <laughs> I misread it. Um, really special. Create something really special that we think fans of the genre are going to love. Our entire team is thrilled to be launching exclusively on the Roku channel. Bullshit. Why? Why would you be thrilled? I call bullshit. If I was on the team, I'd be like, why aren't we going like to... like? Like, why don't we just make our own app? Why don't we go, like, Amazon? They got all the channels. Yeah, like, like you're telling me nobody can watch us on, like, Firestick or Chromecast <laughs> or Apple TV? Yeah. Or, or NVIDIA Shield? It's like, none, none of that? It's only like, only Roku. It's like, guys, right. can we go on a different format? Because my mom has a Firestick, and she keeps asking me if she can watch it on the Firestick. And I say, no, you have to watch it on a Roku. It's like, is that on the fire stick? <laughs> so you can see, guys, why this is a problem for me. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Reading this, I'm just thinking, man, I like Shudder. <laughs> yeah, when good. he's like, oh, we're so, like, uh, you know, we think fans of the genre are going to love it. And it's like, yeah, we do. Because it's already sh- called Shudder. <laughs> You know, and I've, I've put this on our Twitter. Uh, apparently, Shutter is raising their uh, monthly rate uh, by a dollar. A, a dollar, a whole dollar, 
which makes it the whopping price tag of $6, $6 a month or $5.99 a month. Um, but it's fine because it's still like the best hub for horror content, like pretty much anywhere. One of our movies next week is on Shutter. What up? Uh, yep. So there's that. If you have, if you're like one of the ten people in the world that has a Roku, I just said it leads in market share. Who who has a Roku? I have a I have a two Roku. I have a Roku TV and a Roku stick. I had a I had a Roku and then it stopped working and I'm like, well, I'm never buying a Roku again. <laughs> The only reason I got the Roku stick was because it was easier than using the Chromecast when I would like have to, when I would go to the, the shared rooms and I had to plug something in, it was easier than using, it was actually not easier, but it was more reliable than using the Chromecast. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that. banging away on shit is not coming through on the recording. They're just banging, banging. Just banging all over the place. Banging all over the woods. <laughs> Speaking of woods. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Uh, the, um, is it the Black Hills? Black Hills Forest, home of the Blair Witch, is, this is a terrible segue. <laughs> you are just fucking up. Let me back up. Anybody who knows me, and even at the top of the show I talked about, I'm a big fan of tabletop games, board games specifically. You? Me. No, couldn't be. I talked about two different ones already in this pod, in this uh, episode. There's a new one coming to us. It's a tabletop experience is how it's being promoted based on the Blair Witch of the famed Black Hills Forest. <laughs> Get off the forest. <laughs> You're getting in a loop here. <laughs> uh, this is coming from the, um, I don't know what you call them, gaming company Hunt-A-Killer. Uh, Hunt-A-Killer is this thing where you sign up and each month they send you some kind of clues and you have to try and hunt, hunt a killer. It's in the name. So it's not just a clever name. It's a, yeah, it's a, I mean, it, it's an experience. Right. But yeah, it's a, it's a monthly thing that comes in the mail. Yeah. Uh, they're teaming up with Lionsgate for a new version launching this Halloween season. Uh, this, Like the normal Hunt-A-Killer, this will be part of the subscription-based uh, offerings. Players become detectives to solve a missing person's case near the infamous Black Hills Forest. Again. Like, it's like it's the a forest. Woods. Yeah, I got it. Uh, the storyline <laughs> story begins with an introduction to Rosemary Kent, a woman who lives near the edge of the forest and is looking for help to find her missing son. Over the course of six boxed episodes, players will investigate the mysterious woods and learn about uh, any disappearances while finding out about the powerful forces that reside there. From there, they must piece together the clues, face the horror of the Blair Witch and those who serve her, and find out if they can survive the woods. Each month, a new box episode will be delivered to the member's doorstep, and they must work to unfold the story while sifting through a variety of cryptic documents, audio recordings, and unsettling puzzles. By the end of the season, enough horrific clues will have surfaced to help solve the case. 
Along the way, players will have access to resources and can join the Hunt a Killer private Facebook community to ask for tips and socialize with others playing the game. Hmm. I wonder if this is going to be one of those things where it's like at the end, it's just like, hey, this, this is this is hey, this is the the solution. This is this is the end of the game. This is with, with the killer or whoever. the killer was Philip, <laughs> the pizza delivery boy from earlier. So, like, if you want to make something like really worthwhile, you got to make it like, you know, something that's going to be difficult to solve. And then, like, if you don't solve it, you are fucked because we're not going to tell you. I don't understand the solving. Like, isn't it the Blair Witch? Isn't it, isn't that the killer? That's where I'm getting hung up as well, because you know, in Burkittsville, it's the Blair Witch. People know about the Blair Witch in, in the Black Hills forests, <laughs> yeah, in the woods. Um, and uh, like they they sell things, they sell uh, trinkets and such. So it's like I don't know what the mystery is, right? That's right. Because eventually, presumably, you're gonna come all, you're gonna go full circle and realize, hey, it's the Blair Witch that's killing all these people. I solved the case already, <laughs> and I didn't need a bunch of expensive clues to do it. Actually, I don't know if it's expensive. Yeah, but now you can't go on the uh, exclusive Facebook community and tell everybody that it's the Blair Witch. <laughs> it's true. You got to pay for that. <laughs> I'm not gonna pay. I'm not gonna pay you. I never buy you a coke. You think I got all this money? Uh, if you haven't figured out yet that it's the Blair Witch and you want to figure it out on your own, <laughs> head over to watch Hunt the movies, <laughs> or or just watch the movies. Uh, head over to huntakiller.com/horror. Horror, horror, or horror, as my girlfriend says. Horror. <laughs> Because she's from Philly. <laughs> oh, yeah, Philadelphia. <laughs> do you do that for her? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, how does she feel about that? <laughs> I do say Pukenews. Pukenews. And she tries to tell me that Mac doesn't say it like that. I'm like, he totally fucking says it like that. What are you talking about? Verified. Like, I, I'll, be, I'll be your second... <laughs> Pokenos. Pokenos. All right, guys. Well, uh, we are in October, and you know what October means. Halloween. Yeah. Stay with me. Okay. Uh, I mean, this this is the time of year that horror fans look forward to. It's because it's it's when the whole entire world, well, at least America, embraces what we kind of live all year long. True. And so it's, it's extra beneficial for people like us because all this Halloween horror shit just kind of rolls out in October. Uh, we've talked about a few things already, but next up to come, uh, you know, we just talked about, um, Bloody Disgusting's new service with Roku, but we'll go back to, <laughs> back to Shudder, you know, the A-team, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Shudder's been running, was it 
uh, just one season of Creepshow right now. So far, yeah. I think they're filming season two right now. I think so. Um, but uh, they're kind of expanding that universe, for lack of a better term, um, into animation. Uh, they're going to be starting a, a Creepshow animated, sp- or they're going to be showing a Creepshow animated special. Um, which is launching exclusively on Shutter on October 26th. Uh, it's going to have adaptations of two stories written by Stephen King and Joe Hill. So that's pretty neat. I mean, it's going back to like the original. Well, not Joe Hill so much, but Stephen King wrote the stories for um, the movie, the movie, the original movie. Um, and like a few episodes in in the in the show. Um, it will be directed by Greg Nicotero. Uh, it's going to start, uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Joey King. Um, and, uh, let's see. The details are as such, uh, though Greg Nicotero and his team's team are hard at work at shooting season two, which is coming next year. Uh, they've crafted a fully animated creep show special for us just in time for Halloween, featuring two tales to die for. Survivor Type, based on the short story by Stephen King and adap- adapted by Nicotero, stars Kiefer Sutherland uh, as a man determined to stay alive alone on a deserted island no matter what the cost. Also is Twittering from the Circus of the Dead, uh, <laughs> which is based on the short story by Joe Hill and adapted by Melanie Dale, and it stars Joey, Ke- uh, Joey King, um, who she's, she's uh, I don't know, early 20s actress. I don't know if a lot of people know her. Wasn't she in that Wishmaster ripoff? Wishmaster ripoff. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Oh, she was in Slenderman. Slenderman? Slenderman. I knew, the only thing that I recognized her immediately from was uh, that uh, I think it was a, a short series. I think it was on Hulu. I don't think it was on network TV. But it was... Um, about that girl and her mother who um, faked that she was sick to get a lot of like uh, money and charity. Uh, it's called the Act. Yeah, I never saw it. Well, <clears throat> that that happened. She played the girl. She was the girl in that movie or show. She wasn't in that Wishmaster ripoff in the movie. And I can't remember the name of it. Remember there was a box and you open the you open the box. <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? It's the thing. And he granted a wish, 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 wish box. Wish box. <laughs> wish upon. That's what it was called. Oh, uh, wishing that? No. Oh. Well. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, there it is. It's right yeah. there. She's also in the kissing booth, and as well as the kissing booth too. Oh well. Anyway, in the Dark Knight Rises. I don't think I said what this is about. <laughs> Tweeting, Twittering from the Circus of the Dead uh, stars Joey King as a teen whose family road trip includes a visit to the gravest show on Earth. See what they did there? Yeah, I see. It's a, it's, a, it's a play on words. No, it's not. It's not a play on words. It's not? I think it is. Is it's, it? It's a play on the greatest show on Earth. But doesn't... Doesn't a play on words have to include the actual word? It's just like twisting the meaning or something. I don't think so. Whatever. 
I'm not a smart man, clearly. But I know what love is. A literary, Gump. a literary technique and a form of wit in which words used become the main subject of the work. That didn't help me at all. <laughs> I just put a lot of words. Well, well, I use many words yeah. and few words do fine. You put a lot of words out there. And I don't understand what it means, so I'm going to take his disrespect. <laughs> Clapped up. This your boy? <laughs> a humorous way of using a word or phrase so that more than one meaning is suggested. A pun. It is a pun. It's definitely a pun. Yeah, I guess so. All right, well, let's just roll with it then. It's, it's a play on words. Okay. Like we just said. I was right then. Ignore everything after Tony said play on words. <laughs> Skip all that. I did say it was a play on words and nothing else. <laughs> Go back. Check the tape. Okay. Um, anyway, so that's the that, that's it. Um, <laughs> thought there was more, but that's the Creep Show animated special uh, premiering on Shutter on October twenty sixth. Um, so check it out. There's not there's no shortage of stuff to watch. Um, so you know, but if you do happen to find a spare, you know, couple hours in your busy busy day. Just give it, give it a watch. Busy day of not being allowed to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? You're not doing anything. You got nothing but time. You big fat loser. Fat dink. <laughs> <laughs> the world is a vampire. Sent to drain. Secret destroyer. One of the all-time best insults. <laughs> the best. <laughs> there is not a better insult. <laughs> uh, so as we said at the top, this is a week of the zombie. So before we get into our film reviews, we're of course going to have a news item this on... This week of the vampire. That's what I said. <laughs> so of course, we're going to have a news story about vampires. Vampires. I got confused because I'm looking at... It says Abigail Breslin, Zombieland. So I got confused. Yeah. I'm easily confused. Wasn't she in that movie, Maggie, too? Was that her? That was her. With with the Arnold. With Arnold. Get to the chopper. Put that cookie down. Uh, so Abigail Breslin and Tom Jane will be starring in Slayers, a vampire film that bites into internet influencers. Get it? It's so hot right now. Let's play on words. <laughs> uh, Abigail Breslin, who, of course, was in Signs, and Zombieland, and Zombieland Double Tap, and Maggie, and Final Girl. And Little Miss Sunshine. And Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, we'll be teaming with Thomas Jane, who, of course, was in Deep Blue Sea, The Mist, The Predator, uh, The Punisher, Homeless Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Just want my kids back. <laughs> uh, they will join the previously announced Malin Ackerman, who is from Watchmen, uh, Rampage, Final Girls, plural. Check out our review on Final Girls on GreatPlotPodcast.com. She had a three-way with Sloan and E in Entourage. Oh, yeah. She was in Harold and Kumar, and she showed her boobies. Yep. 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 <coughs> uh, this is a horror comedy, previously known as With Teeth. The film follows a group of internet influencers who are drawn to a reclusive, seductive billionaire's mansion, played by Ackerman, only to find themselves trapped in the lair of an evil vampire. 
The only way out is to be saved by a famous online gamer played by Kara Hayward. That's where you lost me. Uh, and an old school vampire hunter played by Tom Jane. Online gamers don't get out of their chairs. Just ask Max. <laughs> uh, Damn. Burn. <laughs> he's going to stop Patreonizing us. <laughs> he's he's not going to patronize us. Patronize us because I patronized him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Breslin will play the role of Jules, a smart mouth fitness guru who faces off against the vampires. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is being directed by K. Asher Levin, who I looked up earlier and there was something funny about it. I don't remember what it was now. Uh, oh, yeah. He directed Cougars Inc. and Chicken Girls, the movie. Oh, those. Those little uh, hidden gems. Why is it Chicken Girls, the movie? Is there a different chicken? Based on the brat show Chicken Girls. I don't understand these words. <laughs> Br- like the brats, the brats dolls, like with the Z, with the Z, <laughs> like a Zorro, brat. Unless it's brought. What you're telling me is this is a Zorro movie. Brat is a digital media network launched in 2017 and available on YouTube. Nobody knows what that is. Wait, a digital media network available on YouTube. So it's a YouTube channel. I mean, yeah. Don't try to fancy it up. <laughs> Don't you piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Kiss my ass, digital media network. Yeah, we're a digital media network. We're more of a digital media network than they are. We're available on multiple platforms, bitch, including YouTube. You can't <laughs> listen to the episodes on YouTube, but no. you can watch some things. There's a few things on there. We made we made some short films there on there. There's a few. There's like a like a couple or three hours of of content. Yeah, you can watch all of it. Get our numbers up a little bit. <laughs> you can watch. Uh, Workshop of Horrors with Skeletoni. Yeah, there's two of them on there. I have another project that I started last year in the office. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to finish it. Is it my Twin Peaks sign? There's that. That's in there too. <laughs> you know, like I keep staring at that because it's like right in my view when I'm working. It's like I got to finish that. But I'm like thinking about what a pain. Because there's a lot of like specially mixed paints in there oh so it's like i gotta i better have to basically repaint the whole fucking thing because there's no way i'm gonna color match this yeah (laughs) should have just finished it you should have fuck my life anyway that's about all we got on slayers uh no release date or anything yet because they got to film the thing first you know you told me about this i'm like that's like you didn't say that it was a, a comedy but i'm like with that cast the name and the premise that has to be a comedy. There's no way anybody's going to take that seriously. This sounds like something that's going to be on like Freeform. <laughs> they should call it Slay Queen. Because that's what the kids say. They say that. And they put Queen on everything. Yeah. They say, yes, Queen. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Bet. Big facts. Bit? Big. Oh. Did you, did you say bit? I said bet. Oh, bet. What is That's a thing? What's yeah, like, what? it's, it's, it's basically like, you betcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you betcha. I don't... Or 100. I feel like a lot of people think the Zoomers have, like, this 
this innovative slang, but really all it is is just making like words unnecessarily shorter. Yeah. And you know, millennials, like the younger end of the younger generation of millennials, because we're like senior gener we're senior senior millennials. <laughs> senior millennials and they're junior millennials. Junior millennials started that shit. Just unnecessarily shortening words. Like on community when Vaughn was like late. Britt was like, isn't later short enough? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. Getting uh, rid of Britta. What? Getting rid of the bee. She's a no good bee. Uh. <laughs> She's a GDB. Uh, That's it for horror business. That is it for horror business. And you know what? comes next taylor i do film reviews blah 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 all right film reviews as we said at the well several times throughout the episode this is week of the vampire meaning that we are going to be talking about two vampire films uh, we have the 1993 Guillermo del Toro film, uh, Kronos, and the 2011 remake of, uh, Fright Night. Taylor, which one do you, which one do you, you'll get there. Give me a sec. Which one do Take you want to start with? Uh, let's start with Kronos.
Usted habrá de eternidad. Y míreme, mire mi piel. Está descompuesta, se me está cayendo a pedazos. Okay, before we start, Tony just brought this up off mic, and now I want to tell my favorite Guillermo del Toro story. Um, I don't remember who it was, but somebody was telling this story of they were getting Guillermo del Toro's autograph. It's Joe Lynch. With the silver pen? Wait. Yeah. Finish the story. (laughs) They're getting Guillermo del Toro's autograph, and he was signing a poster with the silver Sharpie. And like as he's signing his name, the Sharpie breaks. And silver ink just spills all over this poster. And Del Toro just looks up, looks the guy right in the face and goes, ah! (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Oh, G. That's what they call him. He's a GDT. (laughs) (laughs) Call back to like five minutes ago. Yeah, I got it. Uh, It's when you said that thing. Right. So this movie opens uh, in the year 1536. There's this alchemist in Veracruz, Mexico, and he is trying to develop a device that will give him eternal life. Was this in Mexico? Yeah, that's, that's what this says. I don't know if they ever said that, but that's what this says. Because I don't think there were alchemists in Mexico in 1536. It may not be historically accurate. You'll have to take that up with Guillermo. <laughs> Maybe I will. Um, so yeah, he develops this little scarab-looking device that we have to assume works because we flash forward uh, 401 years to 1937, and this old building collapses, and it's a um, bank vault like collapses, and all these people are injured. And one of them is this alchemist and his skin is all like bluish, whitish and veiny and really weird looking. Yeah. And he, he gets pierced through the heart by like a piece of metal or something and dies. Dies, 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 By the way, both these movies are older than five years. So that spoilers ahead. Be warned. You're going to spoil the dick out of this. I'm going to spoil it so hard. Spoil it all over the woods and spoil it. <laughs> A spoiler <laughs> over your chest. Um, so they go and they, you know, they're checking out this guy's house. Stop! I'm talking. <laughs> I got spittle on my mic. <laughs> I'm talking here. Um, you know, they go to appraise his house and whatever, and there's they find just buckets of blood everywhere. There's actually there's a woman hanging naked upside down just dripping blood into this basin. And they just, you know, clean it up and then sell the house on auction and don't ever mention it to anyone again. <laughs> Which I feel like, uh, isn't there some kind of law against that? Full, uh, di- full disclosure? I don't know. There's Mexico. That's true. There's no laws down there. <laughs> it's the wild west of the south. That's what they call it. They do call it that. Um... <laughs> this is 1937 too, so things, that's true. It's probably things were a lot different back then. This is a wild time. <laughs> um, 
Flash to quote unquote present day, which I don't buy because nobody had cell phones. <laughs> there wasn't a cell phone in sight. Wait, that's not true. Didn't Ron Perlman have one? He had like a walkie talkie. That was a walkie talkie. Did I catch a niner in there? <laughs> uh, but there's this antique dealer named Jesus Grease. And he gets a new shipment of antiques in. And, you know, he just kind of puts everything out. This weird junky looking guy comes in and starts like opening pieces of paper, opening the like paper things that are wrapped around these different statues. And Jesus is like, can I help you? And he's like, good morning. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) So one of these statues that the the guy was looking at, Jesus unwraps it and he notices there's like a hole in one of the eyes and him and his granddaughter, Aurora, they're doing this puzzle and a cockroach, la cucaracha, cucaracha. <laughs> crawls out of the eye hole of the statue. Am I distracting you from something? Just... <laughs> you got a package coming. I'm just looking, looking at stuff. <laughs> so they... I'm listening. Just continue. They, they pry open the bottom of the statue and they find... The device, which is named the Kronos device. The Kron- they just know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the narrator told us, so we know. I don't know if they know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but so he starts playing with it, and he's like, you know, what do you think it is? Some kind of toy? And he, like, winds it up, and these metal legs come out and just grab onto his hand. And like go in his skin and he starts bleeding. Yeah, it just gets like a death grip on his hand. So he yanks it out and uh, goes to his, is it his wife, I guess? As far as I could tell, yeah. But it doesn't seem like, like Aurora clearly doesn't like her. So I'm guessing it's not actually her grandmother. Maybe it's a new wife or something that's. It's it. They don't go into detail about it until so there's a lot of questions left. Yeah, it's not super consequential to the story, though. So true. But so, anyways, she you know takes a look at his hand and she pulls this little metal stinger out of his hand, wraps him up, sends him along his along the way. Meanwhile, there's this rich old businessman. Uh, Dieter de la Guardia, who is, uh, he, he lives in some kind of factory. Yeah. I mean, his name is on the building, so. Well, yeah. And they keep saying de la Guardia Industries, I think it was. Yeah. But they never say what they do, what they make. He's just, he's in business. They just, they just make business. Yeah. He's a business guy. In his factory where he lives. Uh, and his nephew, Ron Perlman. For some reason. Angel de la Guardia. Because, you know, Ron Perlman is clearly Mexican. (laughs) Well, it's like his name in itself is confusing because Dieter is German. (laughs) True. And la Guardia is Italian. Is it the guard? Is that what it means? The Uh, guardian? I don't actually know what that translates to. It means shitty airport. That's what it means. (laughs) 
Um, but Ron Perlman is his nephew, Angel, and he is, appears to live in some kind of sub-basement or something, <laughs> which is like the size of a box. It didn't look like he could even stand up in there. But Dieter is, uh, he's dying. He's got some kind of cancer. Oh, you know what? I, you know, I was always on, under the assumption that the name LaGuardia was um, Italian, but it actually is Spanish. There you go. So yeah, uh, Dieter de la Guardia, he has some kind of cancer. He's dying and he's searching for this device. He's got all these archangel statues hanging in his room that he's searched for the device in and hasn't been able to find it. Uh, so he sends Angel to this um, uh, antique store. Angel buys the Archangel statue, but of course the, the device is gone. He's been bamboozled. Yes. Hoodwinked. Flimflammed. Hoodwinked. <laughs> so he sends Angel back to uh, send a message. He trashes the place, but leaves his card. <laughs> laminated. His laminated business card. That means he wants it back. <laughs> Like somebody hands you a laminated car, they're gonna be like, "Can I get that back, please?" Yeah, it's like in Bordello of Blood, and Dennis Miller would be like, handing people his private investigator card, and be like, "Can I get that back? Those things are expensive." <laughs> <laughs> but so on the back it says, "We're open all night," and so, <clears throat> um, Jesus goes to see him, and Laguardia, you know, monologues and explains what's going on with this device and how it leads to everlasting life. And there's apparently some kind of insect inside that pierces the skin and releases some kind of toxin or virus or something. Yeah. They show the inside of the device a, a couple times and it's this weird collection of like gears and, and metal works as well as things that look very like biological. Yeah, there's just like this mass in the middle that just pulses. Like, like almost it almost looks like like a heart. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's it's whatever De La Guardia said was was in in the middle of it, but yeah, some kind of insect. And he said it was like a filter. Like it filters the blood or something. Like a living filter, he says. Um, so, um, yeah, he's, Jesus tricks him. He gives him this box and tells him that the device is inside. And when he opens it, it's just like two padlocks taped together. Mm. So hoodwinked again. <laughs> I've been bamboozled. Um, gone again. That was, uh, Dr. Finkelstein. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, let's see. Where are we? Uh, so they ha they go to this, uh, Jesus and his wife, uh, what was her name? Mercedes? Yes. And Aurora, they go to this New Year's Eve party at the Tigers Club. And, uh, at this point, Jesus has, okay. uh, Jesus has kind of figured out that. I don't know if he's really figured it out, but there's clearly something 
going on with him. He has this insatiable thirst. He chugs like an entire pitcher of water and it's not enough. And he sees a plate of raw meat and he just gets really tempted by it. And so while he's at this party, this guy gets a nosebleed and runs to the bathroom. And Jesus is like, I got to go. Follows the guy into the bathroom. Just like, let me suck your nose. <laughs> but like the guy bleeds all over the sink. And Jesus is kind of like gathering it up. And he, look, he looks like he's going to snort it. <laughs> but some other guy comes along and he's just like, oh, can you believe this? Goddamn Guatemalans. <laughs> 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 cleans up all the blood and Jesus is just he's devastated because he wanted that blood son of a bitch but then he notices there's a little bit on the on the floor so he gets down on his hands and knees and he starts licking the floor which is just icky yeah it's like if there was ever a floor that you wouldn't want to lick it'd be uh, in any given a, man's, a, men's a, room a public bathroom yeah even at an upscale club um, but Angel shows up, kicks him in the face. Just a toe kick <laughs> right in the face. Yeah, just knocks him unconscious. <laughs> in the face. Uh, Jesus wakes up in his car with Angel. They start boxing. Angel at one point says, uh, give me the device so my uncle will leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is for him. Is he doesn't get money or power or respect or women. He just wants his uncle to leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like he's he's anticipating some kind of inheritance because his uncle is like uh, he's, he's a death star. <laughs> yeah, he he talks about how he's under like chemotherapy and uh, radiotherapy and all this other therapy. He's got just like a display case full of all of his excised organs yeah. and shit. <laughs> He's like, half my body's in this jar. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't, Ron Perlman is just such, like, I like Ron, Ron Perlman. Like, I like him as an actor. I like him even more as a person because he, he doesn't give a fuck. Um, but he is so out of place in this movie. Yeah, he really is. Like... Like I get the like okay so De La Guardia is it yeah I almost said Italian again he's Mexican and well I mean the, the entire cast is Mexican except for Ron Perlman mm-hmm. who's like De La Guardia's American nephew but it's like you could have gotten anybody else to play that role and it probably would have fit better just for some reason Perlman was just not meshing with the rest of the cast yeah and he like speaks spanish a couple times and it kind of like it sounds like a like he just learned spanish on set yeah it sounded like i did when i was learning spanish in high school yeah it actually kind of what i still sound like (laughs) (laughs) i have no room to talk uh so angel pushes the car off a cliff with jesus inside and Jesus just starts having this inner monologue where he's just like, am I dead? I'm dying. Everything hurts. <laughs> that was basically what basically his inner monologue. I'm dead now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, flash forward to the um, coroner, Tito. <laughs> this guy's the best character in the movie. I know. He's, he's working on... Uh, Jesus, 
And the guy's like, oh, that forehead looks amazing. Tito's like, yeah, I fucking know. I'm a fucking artist, bitch. <laughs> and then the guy's like, you probably don't even need to bother because he's going to be cremated. Tito's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Wasting my goddamn time. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> but then they don't cremate him. They, like, he, ha- he still has a, a service awake. Well, they're going to cremate him after the service. Right. But then why would he tell them not to waste his time? If they're going to have a service, that's why he needs to look good. Well, he said not to put too much work into it. No. To make him presentable, but not... But why isn't... I don't know. The whole reason you make him presentable is for the service, not for the burying him. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. But typically when you... Like, like, I think there's still somewhat of a market for people that perform that kind of work. You know, as far as like kind of like facial con- reconstruction using like nose putty and stuff to rebuild damaged faces for funerals. But I think more often than not, when that kind of stuff happens, you just have a closed casket. Yeah. And, you know, he was thrown off a cliff inside a car that then smashed all around him. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, he was pretty mangled. Yeah, he was fucked up. Yeah. His apparently like... By the size of the work that Tito was doing on his forehead, like his entire cranium must have been caved in. Uh, and then also his, his uh, cheek was cheek and, and part of his jaw was all fucked up too. Yeah. Although, actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, when that stuff later on in the movie starts to kind of peel off the, the wax, you can actually see that it, it looks like it was like uh, stapled. So he, yeah. I guess he wasn't actually covering up like a, a divot or something. <laughs> it was just the, the wound itself. So maybe it wasn't as bad as it appeared. Anyway. Anyway, um, Angel goes back to Dieter, tells him the old man is dead. And he's like, well, did you destroy his heart? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Just, I threw him off a cliff. <laughs> I don't know. He did. And so Dieter whacks... On hell in the nose, which is a big deal because the whole movie on hell wants a new nose. He wants to get plastic. He wants to get a nose job. Right. I don't know why. I don't know what the purpose was in including that. But like when he's first in the um, antique shop, he's got this these little pieces of paper with different noses on them, and he's asking Jesus and Aurora. He's like, "What about this one?" He's like holding it up to his face. Like, "What about this one?" Yeah, they're just they're like not even like photorealistic noses. They're just no like, like little cartoon things. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but so on hell goes to the wake to check on, to, I don't try and steal Jesus's heart, I guess. Like no one's going to notice. Well, did he say he wanted the, to destroy the heart or? Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think, so this movie's subtitled and you all know how I feel about subtitles. Well, people that have listened for a long time do, but I hate subtitles. Because you have to read every single word, otherwise you get lost. And it's like sometimes my when I'm watching a movie, my eyes aren't on the screen 100% of the time. So if I miss a line of dialogue in the subtitles, I can easily get lost. In case in point, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he sent him to destroy his heart because he knew what was going to happen. Okay. See, I, I feel like I remember him saying, because on occasion... Uh, 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 Dieter and and Angel. Uh, he's American. Wouldn't it just be Angel. 
Anyway, they they do converse in English. Those yeah. are, that's the only time it's it's weird because ninety eight percent of the movie is in English or in Spanish and just those tiny little bits, mostly with Perlman. Yeah, is in English. Anyway, um, what I remember either hearing or seeing, my brain is mixing it up right now. Was saying, "Did you see the him his body destroyed or something along those oh. lines?" But anyway, yeah, specifically his heart. But so Angel goes to the wake, and he he like holds uh, Jesus's nose closed to make sure he's actually dead. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, Tito's going to throw him in the fire, and Jesus wakes up and escapes. Uh, there's actually this kind of cool scene where he's outside and he steps on a piece of broken glass, he pulls it out of his foot, and then uses it to cut the stitches where his mouth is stitched closed. Yeah. There's actually some solid uh, practical effects in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of refreshing to be able to watch older movies before CGI was a thing and just like, you know those movies are always there for you. Yeah. Like, if you want to see some good practical effects, you just go back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years and there, there'll be some, some good practical effects that you could enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so now, obviously, Jesus is undead, and uh, he heads back home. And Aurora lets him in the house, hides him in her tool in her toy box. It's like she knows something that he doesn't. Yeah, it seems like she like pretty much knew what was going on. Yeah, and this is kind of where we first really kind of get an instance of vampirism at, in in, a, in its classic form. Yeah, like we know he's got this thirst for blood. Yeah. But this is the first time, like he's the first time that he's undead. Uh, and yeah, and his his the, there's they're in some kind of rooftop shed or something, and there's there's holes in the shed. <laughs> there's holes in the ceiling, and so that when once the daylight starts poking through, it starts burning Jesus. Right, and so that's why he sleeps in the toy box, which he must have folded himself up because that toy box is like four feet wide. <laughs> Like that guy in The Simpsons that gets into the tiny car. Just, yeah. He just gets out, gets out and unfolds like a spider. Uh, <laughs> Is there something funny about me driving my automobile? <laughs> uh, eventually, he heads back to De La Guardia's. Says, you know, look what happened to me. And De La Guardia says, I can offer you a way out. I just need the device. He's like, no, I'm going to destroy the device. He's like, well, if you destroy the device, device, you die. And he's kind of like, at this point, I don't, I don't fucking care. I hate this. My skin is falling off. And De La Guardia is like, well, just rip it off then. And he starts ripping off his skin, and it's that same kind of bluish, whitish that we saw with the alchemist. Yeah. I would have liked to see, I mean, we saw it with the al- alchemist at the beginning, but... I would have liked to see like a full on just like total skin peel off. Yeah, he does it cool. later. He does it more with his stomach. Yeah, but you never see yeah, just like a full body, even full face. I would have liked. That, that's another uh, area where the the, uh, the effects are surprisingly good. Like I don't know where this ranks as far as um, you know being s- uh, small budget or not. Ooh, that's harsh. I'm seeing the budget for this was two million dollars. And the box office was 621000 Imagine if Del Toro made this today, though. Oh, people would be all over it. 
And it would be four hours long. Well, sure. <laughs> and just be f- like a bunch of weird colors and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, that's, you know, even today, Del Toro is very big on effects. Now most of them are CGI, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. But back then, what I'm saying is like the the uh, the layering of his of his old skin that's like starting to peel off, but you still can see the white skin underneath it before it's even actually removed. Just kind of the layering effect that they did with the makeup was really good. Yeah. Uh, so. Jesus says he'll give uh, Dieter the device if he gives him a way out. Dieter agrees, so then he stabs him in the stomach. And, uh, you know, they kind of tussle. And then Aurora grabs Dieter's cane and just whacks him <laughs> and kills him. Or just about. At least we, we knocks think him dead. out. Yeah. yeah. Splits his head open, bleeding profusely. Yeah. Which, man, hell of a swing for a little girl. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know if I could sp- split a man's head open with a cane. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not like a big heavy cane. No. <laughs> um, but on hell comes up and he sees Dieter bleeding on the ground. And he's like, "Yes, finally!" <laughs> and Dieter's like, "I'm not dead." So then on uh, hell, <laughs> I'm not quite dead yet. <laughs> so on hell steps on his throat and then twists his twists his foot, which of course just kills people immediately. Instant death. <laughs> Not like gasping and choking for air. No. Just one quick twist. That's all it takes. Neck death. That's what they call it. <laughs> they do call it that. That's the, <laughs> the scientific term. <laughs> he then sees Jesus and Aurora bailing out the window, follows them. Uh, they start fighting up on the, the roof next to the De La Guardia sign. And Jesus tells him, you know, he says, you, you have a lot more to lose because for me it, it is only pain and Perlman primo one-liner says get ready for more <laughs> all aboard the pain train <laughs> Jesus tackles him they dive off the building go through a glass ceiling on hell is dead Jesus gets up his stomach is ripped open That's, this is when he starts ripping his skin off and you see this pearly white uh, he then smashes the device because he's just done with everything. And uh, then we see him die peacefully in his sleep. But he, Sorry, did you say he smashed the device? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I zoned out there for a sec. <laughs> huh? Where am I? <laughs> yeah, and you know, it went, until he smashed the device and then like started to kind of like keel over. I totally forgot that De La Guardia said that that was going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, wait, so I know he's dead? Um, yeah, but that's the end of the movie. Yep. Um, it's definitely not your uh, your typical vampire movie. Because no, it's, it's not all, all about this device that turns people into vampires. And you never really see him bite anybody. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, in, in, in the span of the movie, you only see two people that have been afflicted by this thing. Yeah. So you don't really get a super clear idea of what this affliction entails. I mean, aside from 
exposition from from Dieter. Um, and I guess kind of the, the narration at the beginning. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely not within the normal scope of what vampires are. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't get the fangs, you don't get the, you know, the, the, the bony foreheads or, you know, like, and there's not this like big romance around it either. Like anything like Dracula specifically, like it's, you know, it's this romantic story and about everlasting love and whatever. And that's definitely not the case here. Yeah. Yeah. For him, like being a vampire is, is pain and it's a heartache and. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a typical, well, not necessarily typical, but not a far-fetched story in that, you know, there's this key to everlasting life and there's this evil guy out to try and get it. And there's like, you know, a, a seemingly innocent guy that's kind of fallen into it. You know, it, it's, there are any number of vampire movies that kind of fit that very skeletal description, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, it's not the typical vampire, you know, with the fangs and, and you know, the crosses and the what have you. Yeah. It's, it's really the only connections to vampirism is the need for blood mm-hmm. and apparently the sensitivity to daylight. Um, and being undead. Yeah, and I guess the only way to be killed is to pierce the heart. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's an interesting concept to have all this all tied to this device that kind of provides this, and it's uh, just a, like a man-made device too. It's not like this like supernatural thing or right. like ancient thing. Yeah, it kind of is ancient. But. You know, it's like the, you know the description says that it's an alchemist. Mm-hmm. That's how he's described in the movie too. Was it? I could have sworn it was a clockmaker. He, yeah, he was both. Oh, okay. All right, didn't catch that. Um, apparently, this was selected as the Mexican entry for best foreign language film at the Academy Awards, but was not accepted as a nominee. Hmm. How about that? And we are what we are. Is a standalone sequel. Wait, really? Apparently, with <laughs> with with the return of Tito. Isn't I thought we are what we are is a cannibal movie. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless, unless the only tie is actually Tito. Okay, so there's We Are What We Are from 2010 is a standalone sequel to this, but there's also a film from 2013 called We Are What We Are that's about cannibals. That was the American remake, wasn't it? It's an American movie. I don't think it's a remake. Oh, no, it is. See, I thought, thought it was. <laughs> hmm. Anyway. I guess the remake, though, they were just like, no, nah, this one's not a sequel. This is, this is its own thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, 
this one's <clears throat> very high concept, I guess. Um, you know, to be considered a vampire film, but not actually have the the typical um, kind of mythos that goes with it. Um, but typically, that's a turnoff for me. But this wasn't too bad, I guess. Um, it seemed a bit long. I mean, it's only ninety two minutes, but like. I don't know. Did it seem long to you? No. I thought, like I alluded to before, I thought it was refreshing to see a Guillermo del Toro movie that's not two and a half hours long. <laughs> well, this is real before he really came into him into his own. You know. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but I liked it. I, th- I found it engaging, and um, you know, it, enough of a twist to kind of. Uh, keep things lively without being too far out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like when I, when you when you talk to me about like, uh, you know, your standard horror monsters, vampires, zombies, uh, werewolves, what have you, I like when they are what they say they are. You know. Not this fucking, you know, I think I've said this before, like vampire of the mind type shit. It's like, no, fuck that. Like, like uh, you know, like vampires kiss. Let's just use that for exa- as an example. That's like often referred to as a vampire movie, but it's not. <laughs> it's not a vampire movie at all because he's not a fucking vampire. Nobody in that is a vampire. So it's not a vampire movie. And... This this rides that fine line, I think. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not I'm not mad at it for for what it is. It is actually pretty creative, I think. Um. But you know, at, at the same time, like I said, I prefer a more traditional vampire. Sure. Um. So. I don't know. Anything else to add? Um, not really. Like I said, I, I found it engaging and it kind of, you know, it kept my interest throughout. I thought the pacing was really good. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if this was like Del Toro's first movie or anything. It, it was saying in the opening credits that it was like presented by all these universities. So I don't know if it was, uh, if Del Toro was a student at the time or, but, you know, for an early film, even for such a, prominent filmmaker i thought it was very well done um and very well acted aside from perlman's terrible spanish it was good uh, you know the acting um and sometimes that's hard for me to kind of pick out because i, I think i've said this before when a, when a movie is in a foreign language um like inflection and things can be yeah hard to tell yeah like uh you know let's just use italian as an example um italian is a very vibrant language you know there's a lot of emphasis on different different words and you know it's very animated people use their hands to talk so it's hard for me to gauge whether or not they're you know hamming it up yeah or if that's just you know expected in italian cinema um so that's kind of where i rely on like dubbed movies and apparently there is a dubbed version out there somewhere Oh, yeah. Like all the all the ones I was seeing is like 
you know, on VHS, on eBay. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you, if you watch this on um, uh, HBO and, Max. Yes. That's okay. Yeah, that's where it was. Yeah, this is just the uh, the subtitled version. Um, but even still, it was it was easy to see um, that these people were acting well. It was well presented by the people in the film. Uh, the little girl Aurora seemed kind of stiff, but I mean. She, it's kind of I feel like that was the character, though. We didn't even mention, but she was mute for 99.9% of the movie. She says one word throughout the entire movie. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> I went right over my head. Yeah, she's totally mute for the whole movie until uh, at one point she says abuelo, which is grandfather. Wow, was that it? Yep. Damn. Okay. Uh, this was his first film. Oh, well, even more impressive then. He directed Mimic? I didn't know that. Did you ever see Mimic? I only saw Mimic. Hmm? I only saw Mimic. <laughs> Mimic. Okay. Anyway, um, I thought it was quite good. I enjoyed it. Um, I shall give it an eight. Alright. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, I don't really have any qualms with it, I guess, as far as a, a production. Um, I just wasn't really all that engaged with it. Like I said, you know, if I'm if if I didn't have my eyes on it throughout the entire film, then I got kind of lost, and I feel like that's an issue. Um, not only because it's in a foreign language, uh, but also because you know, if I'm looking away from the screen, then something is going going wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll give it a six. All right. All right. Next up is the 2011 film uh, directed by Craig Gillespie. Uh, it is the 2011 remake of Fright Night. Hey, Mom. Hey, just checking in. What you up to? Uh... Adam Johnson. Adam. You know, Adam's missing, right? Right, kids aren't coming to school. It happens all the time. I don't know if you're paying attention to roll call, but he's not the only one that's gone. You're nuts. This is my son, Charlie, and his girlfriend. Hi. So Jerry is our new neighbor. Hey. Hey. Now listen to me. We graphed up all the disappearances. That's you right there in the center next to his house. I really hate to be the one to tell you this, but that guy, your neighbor? Jerry. Yeah, he's a vampire. <laughs> that is a terrible vampire name. Jerry?
watching me. I've been watching you. Your mom, but there's a kind of uh, neglect, gives off a scent. And your girl, she's ripe. It's on you to look out for them, because there are a lot of bad people out there, Charlie. What's that? I'm gonna end him or he's gonna end me. That's how it's gonna be. All right, Fright Night. For real. <laughs> From 2011. Uh, like I said, a remake of the 1985 classic Fright Night, directed by, originally directed by Tom Holland. Uh, not Spider-Man, the other one. <laughs> um, now, if you are a longtime listener of the show, you know that Fright Night is my favorite film, or one of my favorite horror films, one of my favorite films in general. Uh, it's, it's my... It's like it was like my genesis of of becoming a horror fan. It was like Fright Night. That's that's kind of one of those movies where that that spawned my love of horror. So I'm very precious of it. So we'll keep that in mind during this review. All right. So um, Fright Night. Uh, it this one uh, takes the film out of kind of um, the, the Midwest, you know, any town USA that the original was in, um, and moves it to Las Vegas. Um, you know, anybody that's been to Las Vegas knows that the, uh, you know, you've got the, 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 the strip area, which is where all the glitz and glamour is. And, you know, you can go to Fremont where, you know, you've got it there too. But predominantly, most of Las Vegas is desert, and just small little, you know, cookie cutter suburban neighborhoods. And that's where this takes place. Um, you know, this takes place in 2011. So you're just like three years out of the, the, of the real estate bubble popping. Um, people were losing their homes left and right. Um, and you know, when, when people lose money, uh, you know, industries that rely on people spending a lot of money tend to suffer, which includes, casinos and that kind of uh life of leisure um and so people were losing their homes and so while charlie um charlie brewster and his mom why am i totally forgetting her name jane um they live in this neighborhood uh charlie's mom is a real estate agent who's apparently got her name on a lot of these vacant houses but for the most part a lot of their neighborhood is just empty just empty houses uh including the one next door um charlie uh is played by anton yelchin r.i.p one love america's sweetheart (laughs) 
Um, man, watching this, like, I miss that kid, man. He yeah. was he was like a real treasure, and it's it's so sad that he's gone. Um. Anyway, so yeah, Anton Yelchin plays uh, Charlie. Um, he's senior, junior high school. I'm guessing he couldn't be any. He has to be at least a junior. Actually, you know what? They talk. He and Amy. She says seniors don't go to dances. Seniors don't go to dances. So senior high school. Um, it's just him and his mom living together. Uh, apparently, they're his mom was played by Tony Collette. Right. She is such, like, to use a Seinfeld term, a two face. Like sometimes she can just look like really, really pretty, but sometimes she can look busted as fuck too. <laughs> like I like I know it's all just makeup and you know in, in stage dressing, but she is just like a chameleon, man. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so they live together. His dad ran off. It's not really they don't really go into it, but um, it's it's just the two of them. Uh, Charlie has apparently in the last year or two suddenly kind of fallen in with the popular crowd um including his new girlfriend amy who's played by emojin Poots. a little green room reunion even though this came first this first yeah <laughs> um also is his friend fucking trash panda yeah <laughs> his fucking douchey uh chad friend played by yeah trash panda franco Wait a minute, you're going to have to be more specific than that. <laughs> the, the, the Dave. The Dave. Let it burn. <laughs> I said let it burn. Um, I think I just toe-kicked my dog in the nose. Um, anyway. So, uh, yeah. Um, like I said, Charlie, he was clearly some kind of like geeky loser. That just kind of, you know, faded into the background, but has recently become one of the popular kids. Um, and he's dating this girl, Amy. Um, and in the vacant house next door, they've got a new neighbor who's been living there already. So it's different from the original where he's, he's moving in. He's already lives there, uh, but they haven't seen him. All there is is just a big... He's, I mean, he recently moved in, though. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been long. Yeah. But they haven't seen him, and he's presumably been there for a couple weeks because there's a big construction dumpster in the driveway. and Full of concrete. Full of concrete. Um, And uh, Jane is perturbed because she's a real estate agent, and it's affecting, you know... It's ugly. Face value, yeah. Um, but, uh, so Charlie goes to school and, you know, he inter- he sees his friend, Ed, who's played by McLevin. Former friend. Former friend. Yeah. Childhood friend who's, you know, the, you know it happens. You Charlie know. got too cool. Basically. Um, but, uh. I mean, we even get the same line. You're so cool, Brewster. Right. Um, Delivered very differently though. Yeah, the 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 context was much different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Evil Ed's played by um, McLovin. McLovin in this one, um, and the characters different. Like the the uh, dynamic between the two is different. Oh yeah. Um, where in the original, 
you know, Charlie and Evil Ed, they were friends, but, you know, Charlie kind of looked, well, Charlie looked down on Evil Ed, but um, I guess Ed still saw himself as better than Charlie, would you say? I don't know about better. Equals, at least. Equals. But there, there, it, it wasn't a um, social class thing. Right. It was just that Ed was, Ed was just weird. kind of a weirdo. Yeah. And Charlie, yeah. Um, in this, it's it's very kind of modern in that it's it's more based on social class. Yeah. Um, and, you know, childhood friends, they fall out of, out of touch with each other because they kind of grow into different people, I guess. Man, like Charlie treats Ed so badly. Yeah. He's like such a dick to him. I'm just like, this is why he becomes the motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, so Ed pulls Charlie aside at school um, because Charlie's been dodging his phone calls. And he says, hey, our our buddy was... Adam. Adam. Why did I say Richard? Adam is missing. He wasn't in class. I can't get a hold of him on the phone. Um, he, he's he's nowhere to be found, and I don't I don't know what's going on. Um, he's all like, "What is the deal?" You know? <laughs> uh, Charlie's like, "I don't." He's he's probably on vacation or something, and uh, but he uh, he so Ed convinces him to go to Adam's house later on after school um, to kind of figure out what's going on the end of the day they go home or charlie goes home with amy um and finds jane talking to their new neighbor jerry dandridge played by uh colin farrell which i remember when this came out and they cast him as jerry dandridge it's like that's dumb that's that's a that's stupid casting but watching it again it's like okay that sure why not cuz i mean it's not like you know, back in the day, Chris Sarandon was was a pretty good looking guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was Humperdinck. He's <laughs> Humperdinck, Humperdinck. Um, and Humperdinck, Humperdinck. <laughs> you said you never say that word. Uh, Colin Farrell is you know is a good looking guy too, with a uh, in a different way, I guess. I don't know. They've got a different dynamic i don't know maybe it's just a different it could just be a different era different era very like modern hot yeah 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 like you know um chris randon had very sharp features kind of like a dark ominous look to him colin farrell is just very you know practically handsome he's got a good build and good facial structure he's tall dark and handsome (laughs) but he's not he's not tall he's not dark (laughs) he's handsome sure but um Anyway, but he's talk a very more sh- about how, how attractive you find Colin. <laughs> Let Farrell. me talk about Colin Farrell. <laughs> I will talk your ears off. Um, <laughs> he's he's a very striking man, and he's you know he's out there working in his yard, and his wife Peter. So naturally, uh, Jane is very drawn to him, um, and so they're out there kind of flirting, um, and uh, Charlie and Amy go up and introduce themselves. And there's something kind of off-putting about Jerry for Charlie. He doesn't really, he can't really put his finger on it. Just something's off about him. He's like, you're not my dad. 
Um, Charlie then realizes, you know, several hours after the fact that he was supposed to go meet Ed at Adam's house. So he takes off um, to catch up with him. Uh, Ed's waiting out there, irritated, kind of gives him gives him shit for not coming right after school. And they uh, go into Adam's house, which is just deserted. No sign of life. There's There's no... Actually, I guess I skipped over the very opening scene, didn't I? Where yeah. we're, we're in, who we find out later is Adam's house. Um, there's a, a, a ruckus going on. Um, we see this teenage boy uh, run into his parents' bedroom. Both of his parents are dead on the floor. He hides under the bed. Um, and suddenly his dad's body gets pulled away and... As he kind of tries to come out of the from underneath the bed, that's where we get a very brief glimpse of this creature that's been attacking his family, and that's kind of where things end. Okay, now back to where we were. Uh, Ed and Charlie are in Adam's house. Nobody's there. Everything's just like it's like nobody's lived there uh, in weeks. Um, and Ed drops this bomb like out of nowhere. He's just like, "Oh, it's very casually, yeah. Oh, it's that like... neighbor of yours? He's a fucking vampire." <laughs> and you know, you know how you would react to that? That's exactly what Charlie does. I don't know. I actually think Charlie was like a little more accepting. You think? Yeah, like I mean, he obviously thinks it's ridiculous, but it's like it's ridiculous in the way like if I was to say to you like, "Hey." You know your neighbor? He's actually blonde. You'd be like, what? (laughs) Like, how do you know that? And who cares? (laughs) Um. So yeah, you know, Ed kind of goes into this this rant about how he knows that Jerry's a, a vampire. You know, he says there's been all these disappearances. Like, haven't you noticed that kids are disappearing from school? And there's actually a scene uh, previously where they're in class and the teacher's calling roll, and all these kids are are missing. There's there you know there's like five or six kids that just don't answer to roll call. Um, and you know, Charlie's like, oh, you're crazy, shabuya, you're crazy. Shabuya, shabuya, roll call. <laughs> what? What? What are you doing? Shabuya roll call. I don't know what that is. It's from Always Sunny. Oh. I don't remember. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, he shows him this map. Uh, that it, that he's been tracking. You know, the locations, all these kids, like the home locations. All these kids that haven't been showing up to school, you know, he says, "Look, look at this. You know, your your house is right at the center of this because he lives next, like right fucking next door to you." Um, and you know, Charlie's just like, "You're you're so full of shit." You know, just what 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 is wrong with you? It's like you're, you, no wonder I'm not. I don't hang out with you anymore. Um, and you know, Ed just kind of gives him like the old, "You've changed, man." <laughs> That, that whole spiel. Um, 
And that's uh, when he drops the like, oh, you're so cool, Brewster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, like, the, the context is obviously very different than that. Um, or than the original, I mean. And there's a lot of, well, not a lot, but there, at least a couple different instances in this where they retool quotes from quotes or scenes or yeah yeah um and uh anyway so like taylor said while charlie was doing the practical thing and saying you're full of shit what was wrong with you um no sorry i'm mixing up scenes let me back up so um let me, sorry, let me get back on track here. Okay, so they split up. Um, you know, they have this big fight, and they, they, they each split up. And Ed is skateboarding home. And after being harassed by a fucking raccoon. <laughs> by, by, by a feral raccoon. <laughs> um, he uh, is cornered by Jerry. Jerry knows that he's been following him, been you know, been tracking his every move. He know he knows that he knows who he is or what he is, and just says, you know, kind of gives him like kind of the same, not word for word, but kind of the same uh, heart to heart, I guess, <laughs> that Jerry does in the original film. Says, you know, you you don't have to be different. Or I know you're different. I'm different too, but you know, you don't have to feel alone. That, that, that kind of thing, you know, like a cult leader. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, that's when, yeah, he, you know, Ed's holding up a, a cross to, to hold him at bay, but then he kind of drops it and just kind of, he just lets it happen. He succumbs, yeah. Um, next day at school, Charlie, uh, actually, you know, I'm kind of, I'm going through every scene here. Uh, Charlie, uh, when Ed doesn't show up to school, Charlie goes to his house and kind of investigates around his room and sees that, yeah, Ed was really on top of this. He had found something very crazy that, you know, he's, he's got video recordings of Jerry, you know, just interacting around his home. But strange thing, he's not showing up on any of the videos. So car doors are opening on them or on their own. Uh, you know, these things are kind of floating in midair, that kind of shit. Um, and so now Charlie is... If he doesn't know, he's got a pretty good idea. Um, and Jerry becomes very quickly privy to that idea or to that fact. Um, Charlie then, uh, you know, looks around for help. You know, I think he tries to tell Amy and Amy is just well, I mean, like, for, I don't, first he breaks into Jerry's house and he goes into the basement right. and he realizes he's built this like underground lair. Where he keeps all his victims. Right. And yeah, he, he tries to um, rescue the neighbor girl. Um, and after some very uh, sneaky kind of cat and mouse es- escape, he finally gets her outside. And as soon as they hit the sunlight, she just she bursts, in, bursts into, into ash. So, um, you know, much like the original... When you need to kill a vampire, who do you go to? Chris Angel. A vampire killer. But yeah. 
You go to Peter Vincent, the local uh, vampire-themed magician or illusionist. Illusionist, Michael. A trick is something whores do for money. Or, or candy. candy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Peter Vincent, in the, you know, whereas in the original he was a, a washed-up TV host who played, you know, has a career of playing uh, a vampire killer. In this, he is a very douchey, Chris Angel esque, you know, stage show illusionist, uh, whose show is vampire themed and it's called Fright Night. Um, so he goes to him, you know, as as a child would do, I guess. I feel like this, this and the original, what Charlie does to pers- pursue these people, he takes to be you know knowledgeable in the ways of vampires i feel like that action is uh much more immature than somebody who you know is 17 18 years old 17 18 years old yeah because like if it were me i'd be like oh man i need help to kill this vampire i could probably watch these movies that this Peter Vincent guy did and maybe get some ideas, but I don't think that he knows how to kill vampires in real life. Right. You wouldn't be like, oh man, my neighbor's a vampire. I better call Danny Trejo. Right. <laughs> Actually, you might, because Danny Trejo's a fucking badass. Yeah, even though he's old as shit. You but wouldn't he... be like, I better call George Clooney. Yeah. Because he was in that one movie. Yeah, or like With Sarah Danny Michelle Geller. That's that's a better reference. There you go. <laughs> Because she's like a vampire slayer. <laughs> yeah, she did it more than once. <laughs> um, anyway. Jesus Christ, Taylor, get it together. But uh, So he goes to uh, the Hard Rock where Peter Vincent does a show. And it's funny, this show, this was actually filmed entirely in New Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I guess is not too surprising because New Mexico is in a fucking desert as well. Yeah. Uh, um. Other than the stock footage of Vegas, I assume. Right. Uh, so he goes, uh, posing as a reporter, he's, he goes to ask Peter Vincent after his rehearsal just about killing vampires. And Peter Vincent's like, what are you doing? Like, are you, you really think vampires are, are real? Uh, he, he said the story was something like, like comparing real vampires to fictional vampires or something. And he was like, oh, you need a quote? That's a shit idea for a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Vincent is played by David Tennant, who I just adore. Uh, he's, a, of course, of uh, Doctor Who fame. And this was not too long after his stint on Doctor Who. I can't remember exactly how long, but... Um, he's Britain's sweetheart. He's Scottish. He's Scotland's sweetheart. <laughs> he kind of is, actually. <laughs> um. Anyway, so... Uh, he could be America's Sweetheart, too. Sure, yeah. He plays Americans. Actually, so. no, America's Sweetheart is Rick Moranis, even though he's Canadian. If I find that guy who punched Rick Moranis in the face, I'm going to punch him in the face. We need to go on a fucking manhunt. That's priority number one. Fuck, fuck a COVID, man. We need to find out who the fuck punched Mick, Rick Moranis, man. Mick Rick Moranis. You know. <laughs> That's what they call him. That's his nickname. Mick Mick Rick. <laughs> he's Nick Mick Rick. <laughs> He eats a lot of McDonald's, so they call him McRick. 
That's why uh, when he was in that when he was in that Mint Mobile commercial, the first acting he's done in so long. That's why Ryan Reynolds said the McRick is back. <laughs> I watched uh, when I when I found out that he had been punched in the head so savagely. I, I went and watched My Blue Heaven because the movie's great. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's so good. Um, so good. One of my friends was like, I feel no remorse for a man who shrunk his kids and thought he could get away with it. <laughs> Damn scientists. Never asks if he can, or never always asks if he can, and never asks if he should. Speaking of which, I almost did a real world horror story. They fucking pulled DNA out of insects trapped in amber. They actually did it. We're going to have dinosaurs. <laughs> What's. Let's, let's dial it back here. Somebody call Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> you crazy son of a bitch, you did it. This is going to happen. You know why? Because life uh, finds a way. Finds a way. <laughs> All right, where do I leave off here? I don't know. Uh, Peter Jeff Vince, Goldblum. Yeah, Peter. <laughs> no, Jeff Goldblum isn't in this. I wish he was. I wish he was. <laughs> I wish he played Peter Vincent. As much as I love David Tennant. I wish he played Jerry Dandridge. That would have been good. <laughs> would have made no sense. <laughs> um, Jane would have been like talking about how attractive he was. Each other would have been like, he's like a 70-year-old hipster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, Peter like, you know, thinks he's fucking with him. Fucking with him and tells him, you know, to, to piss off. Um so, at this point, Jerry knows that Charlie knows, um, and he goes home, and Jerry tries to get Jane to let him in the house. The, see, that these these uh, the the classic vampire tropes kind of hold true in this, mm-hmm. um, and we see them on display: Cro- aversion of crosses. Holy water, um, you know, stake through the heart, fire. Those all come into play in this movie. Um, and they can't enter a house without being invited. That was something that I remember seeing this, worried that they were going to, like, not do that. Because that's just, like, that's classic vampire stuff. Yeah. Why would you take that out? That's what makes vampires interesting. <laughs> I like the part when he's chasing Ed, and Ed, like, runs into one of the houses... And he says, you know, you can't come in unless you're invited. And Jerry just like steps through the door and he's like abandoned. Yeah. Cotta Las Vegas. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah. So uh, Charlie is just pleading with Jane because uh, um, Jerry's come to the door, pounding on the door, you know, demanding to be let in because Charlie's been harassing him. And Jane is about to let him in, and Charlie's standing there pleading with her. It's like, please, Mom, just trust me. You need to trust me. Do not let him in. And Jane basically tells him to call the cops. Call the cops, yeah. So he storms off. Charlie um, goes into his room to try and kind of formulate some kind of plan. And from his window, him... Amy and Jane all see Jerry go into their backyard with a shovel, starts digging up the backyard, and Jane's like, what the fuck is he doing? 
Well, what he's doing is he's digging <laughs> up the gas line. This is so dope. <laughs> he digs up the gas line, pulls it up out of the ground, and disconnects the, you know, pulls it so hard that it disconnects the, the hose from the back of the oven. So you have gas spewing into the house. And then he takes a little rotary tool with a cutoff wheel, cuts a big enough hole into the line so where it's still feeding gas, and then lights it. And the backdraft goes into the house and blows it up. And that's how he gets around the the uh, invitation. He even says, don't need to be invited if there's no house. Right. <laughs> Which, that's the, <laughs> there's still mostly a house. At this point, it won't be for long. Well, sure. But the, the, the walls are still up and people still live there. <laughs> I think they're, you know, kind of. Having having a laugh there. Um, You're taking the piss? Taking the piss there. Um, so they escape and they uh, take off in Jane's van out into the just into the desert. Jerry chases them down. Um, and uh, I hated this scene. I hated everything about this scene. Because of all the CGI? The CGI and just like the whole, just everything. I hated everything about it. Okay. Ex- except for Christopher Sarandon's cameo. Yeah, so they're taking off, and uh, Jerry catches up with him in his truck and tries to head him off at the pass, but instead of stopping, Jane just, at, at Charlie's insistence and, and force, uh, hits him with his with the van, and they just keep driving. They think that they're safe, but they suddenly hear scratching from underneath the van, and Jerry punches through the, the floor pan, um, and... Uh, forcibly makes the van stop. And so there's this kind of interaction in the street. Um, and suddenly this car comes up out of nowhere and just rear ends the fuck out of them and get out. Yeah. It's Chris Sarandon, the original Jerry Dandridge, um, who then gets, uh, attacked by a, a CGI representation of Colin Farrell. Yep. And that's, that was the biggest fucking kick in the ass about this entire movie. Was the CGI. Yeah. Now, add on top of the fact that this was, you know, in the early uh, early teens, or early 20 teens, so it was when 3D movies were all the rage, so you had plenty of boner shots. Yeah. Boner, what do we, boner we have, moments. Boner moments. We haven't used that term in forever because they don't make 3D movies anymore. Yeah, we haven't, done a three, we haven't reviewed a 3D movie in a long time. But yeah, plenty of boner, movie, boner moments. Where you just gotta have the shit coming straight at you, uh, just for the sake of it. Yep. Um, and all the CGI. See, that's what made the first fright, or the original Fright Night, so fucking good. Was the practical effects were amazing. Um, even for the eighties. Like I, w- I was watching it earlier when, uh, when you got here, and there's a scene in um, in Charlie's bedroom where Jerry first. Uh, um, confronts him and Charlie stabs the pencil through Jerry's hand. The effects, I mean, not only does his hand look awesome because he's got those long, long fingers, but he, it's his real hand, or at least it appears to be, (laughs) but he's got a pencil through it. He turns it. So you see the entire pencil and then he pulls the pencil out. Like, how did he do that? (laughs) 
How? What effect did they use to do that? It maybe, wasn't computer effects. Maybe it was like it, like one of the spring ones, like where the pencil goes inside itself. But it was on the other side of his hand too. When he pulls it out, yeah, like it shows the 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 back of his hand, and then he turns it over to his palm. Yeah, so you can see on both sides of his hand. Yeah, he pulls it out, and then it's gone from both sides. But can you see both sides when he pulls it out? He pulls it out, and then you can see just you can see on the other side of his hand that it's not there anymore. I'm not saying that he actually pulled a pencil out of his hand. <laughs> what I'm saying is that effect work, especially for the 80s, was incredible. Yeah. And that, like, this movie really shits on that legacy <laughs> because they don't even attempt to do anything practically. No. It's, Everything it's, was CGI. And it's not that great a CGI. No, it's terrible. It looks like fucking uh, something that first, uh, first year, you know, graphics. Like sci-fi movie, movie shit. Yeah. And, you know... Jerry Dandridge is one of to this day is one of the coolest looking vampires ever. Like I, I maintain that this fucking Jerry Dandridge looked stupid. It looked like some kind of just like like it looked you know in cartoons when someone gets beat up and their face is all lumpy. <laughs> That's kind of what it looked like. Yeah, it didn't look like a vampire. You know, it looked more like the vampires you see in like Thirty Days of Night. Yeah. Um, except it was all CGI and just anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, Jerry, he, he kind of gets, he gets on top of Charlie and he's, he's, or Charlie tells, you know, Jane and and Amy to, to get out of here. Um, and he's got a big cross that he's holding, uh, to kind of keep Jerry at bay. Jerry grabs the cross and it lights on fire. So clearly that's not doing much to sway him. And then from out of nowhere, Jane, the badass, comes up with one of her real estate signs and just spikes him right through the chest, missing his heart, unfortunately. Um, so they, so he's like kind of squirming on the ground. Um, and that was kind of... Probably, as far as effects go, that was probably, like, the best effects work, I think. Because, I don't know, they must have been using, like, a contortionist or something. Because the way he was, like, squirming around on the ground was kind of creepy. Um, But they get in Chris Sarandon's car and and take off back to town. Um, uh, They take Jane to the hospital, and Charlie goes back to see... Uh, Peter, um, Peter, you know, he's, he's, he's not willing to help. Like he's like, I don't, I don't want to, I guess this is where he tells him that he, he knows vampires are real. His vampires killed his parents. Va- yeah. Va- Cause vampires killed his, his family. And now he's, he's, he doesn't want anything to do with it, with it. The only way he's managed to stay alive is to forget it ever happened. But, he says, um, no, I, I, okay, so then he they get attacked in Peter's penthouse um, by Jerry and Evil Ed, who's now vampire. Um, there's this big fight, and 
somehow <laughs> Peter locks himself in his panic room. Um, and somehow Charlie and Amy escape. Um, and then, so uh, Charlie chops Ed's head off. Right. Well, yeah. Almost. Yeah. Ed, uh, Ed gets kind of fucked up. First he gets his arm cut off by Peter's panic room door. Uh, and then he gets his, he gets almost depacketated by a battle axe. Then he gets his head, face smashed in by a mace. And Te- then... Technically, it's a flail. Oh, fuck off. Technically, it's a morning star. <laughs> no, technically, it's a flail. A morning star doesn't have a chain. You're right. Um, we, can, we can argue the semantics of medieval weaponry later. <laughs> uh, he... And then he gets staked by Charlie and... Turns to dust. Yeah. Dust to dust. I think the best effect in the whole thing is when uh, he takes Doris outside and she explodes. That was good. The transition was really smooth. Yeah, because it's like the blood splatters. Yeah. Um, and it's... A, you know, you, I, you don't see a lot of vampire deaths in this. I guess really only two. I think just her and Ed, yeah. Well, and... And Peter and, and uh, Jerry. Jerry. Spoilers. <laughs> anyway, so like the first one, or like the original film, Jerry chases Charlie and Amy into this uh, dance club um, where he kind of separates Amy from Charlie and they, he, he basically turns her right there, yeah. um, takes her back to his house, uh, locks her in one of these rooms where she's kind of slowly been turning. Um, Charlie goes and gets, let's see, he goes back to Peter and, you know, says, I I need your help. And Peter doesn't want to help him, but he says, here, take this steak. It's this, you know, ancient legendary steak. Apparently if you kill. It was blessed by St. Michael. Was that what it was? I mean, okay, I missed what was special about it. Um, if you if you kill him with this, it will. It's supposed to revert all of his, um, you know, changelings back to human. So he takes it and he goes to this hunting or military surplus store. He buys all this, you know, all this gear, you know, crossbow and shit. Uh, tells the guy. I'm going to kill a vampire. That guy's like, good for you. <laughs> so he gets geared up and, you know, gets ready to storm Peter's house, or sorry, Jerry's house. Um, he kicks the door in and he starts breaking all the, you know, blacked out windows to make sure he fills that house with as much sunlight as possible. Um, and he starts making his way down into the basement. Um, and I think that's where... Peter shows up and, you know, says that he's, he's ready to fight. He's, he's not going to run anymore. Uh, he's, he's, he's basically come locked and loaded and ready, ready to kill some fucking blood suckers, uh, blood suckers, uh, creatures of the night. That's the word I was looking for ah. uh, or the phrase. Um, yeah. So they, they go down in the basement and they find all of his, um, Disciple Jerry's dis- disciples, I guess, um, and they get in this big fight. 
Um, and, you know, Jerry or Peter asks, okay, so Charlie, fuck, I'm, I'm trying to remember a conversation from earlier in the movie. Peter tells him that the only other way that he could, or the, the, the surefire way to kill him is to light him on fire. And this is after he's given him this blessed stake, and he says, well, how am I supposed to get close enough to stab him, or to stake him, if he's on fire? And Peter basically doesn't have an answer. So after this big fight that ensues in, in Jerry's basement, um, and, you know, uh, Charlie and Peter have kind of, like, secured a place of sun sunlight to where you know, Jerry and all his minions can't get to him. Uh, Charlie comes up with the plan. He's, he's wearing a burn suit. Like a, I assume it is because he lights himself on fire and just bear hugs Jerry. Jerry, of course, lights on fire himself. Um, he eventually pulls him into the sunlight where he's, where he really starts to ignite. Like his skin starts burning off and just, as his heart becomes exposed, that's where Charlie stabs him with the stake. Um, and he just vaporizes into dust. Um, and a weird thing happens is that when that happens, all of his, uh, little vampire children, uh, like this vapor, you know, this black smoke escapes from like a, like a demon escaping, which is, I don't know. It's weird. I'm kind of indifferent about that. Because, like, if you go to, like, something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the, the, the TV show, the, the, the lore of that was that vampires are actually human bodies that are possessed by a demon. Um, and that's what makes them vampires. So that could be considered the same thing, but I don't know. The, the presentation of it is strange. Yeah. Anyway, even had Franco down there because he Franco got turned at one point. Yeah, after he's he, just like, "What a weird night!" <laughs> I'm gonna go find your garbage. <laughs> I texted you at one point. There's a scene where Charlie's coming home and the trash can's open, and he just like looks around and closes it. And I'm like, "I bet he was thinking, I bet that fucker Franco was here." <laughs> <laughs> Let me go through your garbage. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> anyway. So, uh, and then they fuck. <laughs> yeah. They go into Peter's penthouse and fuck. And that's the end. Yep. What would what, you think? So there's some parts of it that I really like the way they modernized it. <laughs> I like, I remember when this came out and hearing that Peter Vincent was a magician and I'm just like, that's fucking stupid. But now like watching it now, I'm like, that's actually a pretty good modernization because like the kind of shows like Fright Night from the original, those shows don't exist anymore. Like yeah. Elvira, Queen of the Night and stuff. Those kind of shows don't exist mm-hmm. anymore. Unless you count Joe Bob, but Joe Bob came back. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, re, you know when, when you reference the original film, um, Tom Holland, you know, he, he came up with this idea uh, where he's like, okay, well, and it, 
I don't know if I'm making this up in my head or if it was actually part of his like concept. I was like, well, let's let's take the movie Rear Window. But what if the neighbor wasn't a serial killer? Or what if the neighbor hadn't killed his wife? What if it was Dracula? And that's kind of where the concept came from. But he got stalled on it because he couldn't think of anything past that. It's like, okay, then what? And then at one point he came up with the idea. It's like, okay, what would this teenage kid do? He'd go to this idol that he has on TV that, you know, is a star of vampire movies. You know, who who else would he would he think of? And it was just logical that at the time, you know, there were a lot of, uh, you know, those midnight movie TV hosts like like Elvira, Joe Bob. Well, not at the time, but um, Svengoolie, that type of stuff. Right. Um, and so it, once apparently once he had that piece, that's kind of when all the pieces started falling into place. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the, 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 yeah I, I thought that was a pretty good modernization. I thought a, a lot of things, and like you were saying, you know, with the the way him and Ed interacted and like the social class and stuff was again was like a very good modernization. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that they just deviated too far. Um, the, the whole car chase scene was completely just new and made up, and I thought it was terrible. I just hate, like I said, I hated everything about it. <laughs> I thought that whole scene was just pointless and dumb and bad cgi uh and and it, the the bad cgi in general was just really off-putting yeah that that was my biggest qualm with the entire movie it was just the shitty cgi there was no getting around it, it like it was just bad yeah um and the fact that it was all cgi like i said before there was no there were like no practical effects in this mm-hmm. except for like you know, blood on people. That was, that was it. Um, this cost $30 million? I don't doubt it. How much of that went to Colin Farrell? <laughs> I don't know. Um, like for $30 million, you can do some practical effects. Come on. You know, the biggest problem with this is, you know, you see it at, you see it at the very beginning and at the very end. The first thing you see pop up on screen, Touchstone Pictures which is a Walt Disney company. Mm. And at the very end, the last thing you see on screen, a Walt Disney Pictures production. (laughs) Um, Right after seeing two teenagers fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you had, um, yeah, I mean, basically the Disney company uh, in Touchstone and Steven Spielberg in DreamWorks. Um, And it's like, how can you expect to make a, a viable horror movie with those two companies? Because, you know, the original Fright Night, it's it's a horror comedy. I mean, there's no, no question about that. But it, it's got this longstanding legacy because it's it's so authentic. The idea is, the, the, the concept is original. Well... Not so much original, but uh, novel. Um, and, you know, the effects are amazing. Uh, and the acting's good. And, you know, th- there's no, there are no weak points in the movie. Yeah. 
Um, and this one was just like the acting's fine. I mean, um, the, the cast is great. Uh, I don't. Christopher Mintz Plast just didn't really work as Ed for me. Christopher Mintz Plast doesn't work in a lot of things. <laughs> I liked McLovin. I thought McLovin was funny as hell. But pretty much everything else that kid's been in just wasn't funny. I think he, that's why people still call him McLovin because <laughs> yeah. that was the only thing that really worked. Um, like I thought he was fine as Ed, but as evil Ed, with like the the vampiric version of him, it was just it 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 just didn't work for me. Yeah, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> you know, what he reminded me of was uh, David Arquette in um, Buffy, the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Benny. I mean, he's just, but see, that was funny. But I felt like he was yeah, trying to sit, play the same character, but not be just funny. Wasn't funny. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. The cast is. I don't know. Like I said, when this when they first announced casting for this, they said, "Oh, Colin Farrell's going to play play Jerry Dandridge." And I, I hated it at first, but now it's like, I don't know why. I don't know why I hated it. It's fine, I guess. Maybe in my, I just was not too keen on Colin Farrell as an actor. Something about him just kind of irks me. Um, so maybe that was it. Um, Anton Yelchin, like I, I really liked him, but I'm not, I wasn't really sure if he was right for this role. What did you think? Um, I, don't, I thought he was fine. I mean, I guess if you if you're changing the character of Charlie from what he was in the original, then I guess it works. Um, I don't know. I I, I just I don't feel like this movie was respectful enough to the original. Um, for me to like it all that much, I do. I did like it more than I remembered from when I when I watched it the first time. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not like I had this idea in my head that it was just total shit. But it's, it, I mean, it's not it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it could have been better, even if you like, even if you try to not compare it to the original. Like there's there's some decent stuff in there. Like I said, I thought the the scene with the gas line was was awesome. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah. Um, but like other stuff, just it's you know even if you're not comparing it to the original, like the, the bad CGI is just inexcusable. And there's just some scenes that were just like super hokey, and then they just like went over the top with with it, and it just came across goofy. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I, I, I think I've, I've pretty much said all I had to say. Um, it's uh, it's it's fine, but it's it it really doesn't stand up to the original. Yeah. If there wasn't a Fright Night in 1985, then this would probably seem a lot better. But just by comparison, like I said, even if you don't compare it to the original, it's not great. No, like, it, it it has its moments, but. You know, it definitely, as far as vampire movies go, it's it came across as very B movie. Yeah, 
it was very, uh, very much a product of its time as well. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that era, the early 2010s. Um, when just, Hollywood thought they could just CGI over everything. Yeah. And, you know, they still do to, to, to an extent, uh, just the CGI has gotten better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like in a lot of places, studios have toned it down though. Yeah. Like I don't see, I don't think you would see like a completely CGI'd rock if they were to make the Scorpion King today. <laughs> Man, that was bad CGI. That was terrible. Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's wrap this up because we've been this took a lot longer than a minute to. <laughs> uh, what's your what's your rating? Five. Mm, I'll give it a. I have a six. All right, guys. That is it. Another week of the vampire in the books. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got three more episodes of October Rama coming for you in the coming weeks. So be sure to stay tuned. Uh, Taylor, in the meantime, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast, or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. Of course, check out patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast if you want some exclusive stuff. Check out graveplotfilmfest.com for all your film fest needs, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, except Spotify. <laughs> and we're going to be back next week with Week of the Zombie, celebrating our uh, seventh anniversary, guys. Uh, Taylor, what are we going to be talking about then? Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, the, I always say the wrong thing. The <laughs> night eats the world. I always want to say the night eats the day. No. It's the night eats the world as well as blood quantum. All right, guys. So catch us then. Until next time, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. 6 a.m. Christmas morning. No shadows, no reflections here. Line cheek to cheek in your cold embrace.
is tuned together.